0: Hello and welcome to the Super Show. I am Jonesy, and today I'm joined by the awesome Jamie. Say hello, Jamie.
1: Hello, everyone. Hello, Jonesy. Thank you for having me, Mister Hostman.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Um, unfortunately, Chris um has got I don't know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I'm going to say it anyway because yeah. he's not here to tell me off. He's got COVID. He's got the um, Rona. Unfortunately, uh, he has been being very good as well. So he's just been very unfortunate. Um. And he's picked up COVID, but he is doing pretty well. Um, spoken to him this week, and he's dealing with symptoms. But uh, fair to say that he's getting through it pretty, pretty well as we knew he would. He's a tough little cookie, isn't
1: he? Certainly sounds like it. But still, we wish him all the best and a quick recovery. And I guess if you guys want to leave him a little message, why not? If you're watching on YouTube, head down to the comments down below. Leave him a little something just so he can read it.
0: Something what, for him I'm to come back to. A lovely idea. A, a I'm a lovely person. Of- of you know of encouragement of you know a message to say get well soon or whatever you want um but hey we're not a covid podcast we are we could be a, <laughs> we are a gaming podcast with a little bit of covid dashed in
1: Chris. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah,
0: sure. <laughs> we have what do we have trash trash opinion hot takes and trash opinions that's what it is i nearly forgot it that's what um, chris tells
1: people we have yeah <laughs>
0: Indeed. Uh, we are at Super Show Pod on YouTube and Twitter. You can get us there, or we are also um, on all of the major podcasting platforms. Uh, so you can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all the rest. But, Jamie, we are also radio megastars, internet radio megastars. You can catch us weekly on Thursdays at 10 p.m., and that is on paisleyradio.com. Oh yeah. Um, and with any of those ways to hear us, Jamie, there's no real excuse to to miss a show, is there?
1: No, there's so many ways to catch it now that uh, you've basically got no excuse. It's like COVID.
0: There are so many ways to catch it. Oh, God.
1: Yeah, we are... This is welcome to the new variant of the Super Show, fresh out of South Africa. We are actually... Uh, we're finding new audience members at uh, seven times the rate that we used to. Uh, it's the,
0: that, the would, yeah,
1: that would be nice. Well, answer me this, Josie. What's seven times zero?
0: Uh, it's not seven. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure. well, funnily enough. Um, but hey, from um, from one bug to another, Jamie. Oof! Yikes! Because uh, it is uh, Cyberpunk was supposed to be having a good week this week because they released the uh, patch one point one, which was the first non non-hotfix that they'd released, and it was yeah. supposed to address a whole raft of uh, bugs and glitches and issues that they had um, on the mainly on the. Um, older gen, I was going to say current gen, the older gen of PlayStation and Xbox. Um, unfortunately, it seems that whilst that patch has addressed a number of issues, it has also introduced a new game-breaking bug.
1: Uh, Jonesy, do you remember, I don't know, let's call it dis- like mid-December maybe, maybe even late December, a simpler time by most accounts. Simpler time, yeah. Where CD Projekt Red announced that after all these hot fixes, there would be a big patch in January and a big patch in February. And we all of a sudden got this crazy idea in all of our heads that maybe we might even be playing a significantly better, probably not perfect, but better version of that game by, if not January, then February, maybe even March. I can't tell you how sad it is that that couldn't feel further from the truth at this stage based on this patch.
0: No, I mean, I think if you've said this was another hot fix, people would have um, not been surprised. It didn't actually seem like it was going to do it that much. It did address a whole number of issues, uh, apparently. Um, but, no, yeah, nowhere near enough to be the sort of part one of a two-patch little thing that was going to happen no. in January and February. And, and people were genuinely talking about the game being what we were hoping it was going to be on the p- previous generations after these two patches. And it's like, we, I think, said at the time, there's no way. <laughs> there is no, no way. No
1: shot at all. No, no way. Like, um, I, think but... the, I think the February one could be and probably will be bigger and better and have more notable improvements because we're still at the stage where clearly they've got so much work to do that you can look at before before and after shots of this patch and be like, what happened? What changed? Nothing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, a frustrating thing, uh, certainly for anyone, hoping and praying that that game, even incrementally, just gets better over the passage of time because slow start, slow start.
0: I think, to be fair to them, the main thing they need to focus on is the previous gen and to make sure that those versions work. I mean, yeah. that is the majority of people playing on console are going to be playing on the PlayStation 4. They're going to be playing on the Xbox um, One. So uh, fair enough for them to focus on that. I really do hope that February one does a bit more. But it ha- at the moment, they have introduced a new game-breaking bug. So let me break it down for you, Jamie. Okay. Because after the quest down on the street, when you get a call from Takamura, he doesn't talk. He just sits there in a little box not saying anything you know just staring at you lovingly maybe um, the problem is you need him to deliver his dialogue in order to like close off this mission and allow you to continue Um as this is like a main story quest if that if this does happen and he doesn't close out that mission you can't progress in the story and effectively you're stuck
1: yep great perfect exactly what this <laughs> game needed was another way to halt your progress
0: this also surprisingly so i was reading about um i was watching a video sorry from ign today about this bug where they sort of outlined what it was um specifically how it worked and a workaround that cdpr have released for it um, on yeah. the support site but i'd already seen quite a few people talking about it um before this and so it actually seems to be caught co- it seems to be pretty uh widespread i i was thinking maybe it's a bug that's only limited to a few people but the fact that we already saw people tweeting about Mm. it as soon as that patch went live doesn't fill me with especially um,
1: as it's 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 something that blocks progress at a specific point in the story so we could be talking about a very small group of people who were just before this point in the story when they installed and continued playing with the 1.1 patch yes so yeah it's surprising that so many people discovered it so early
0: So you then got everyone who hasn't reached that point in the story yet, who are then going to bump into this issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe if you're lucky, you've already passed this point in the story, so it's not going to affect you. But then you're less bothered, I suppose, about patches and stuff anyway, because you might have already finished the game. In which case... Or never even started it. (laughs) Or never never started it like you, or put it on a back burner like me to come back to a, a later date. I'm not sure. I think I've, I don't know if I've done this down on the street. I actually don't know. I've done a few tacoma well, but I don't know if I've done. When this you
1: one. talk about coming back to Cyberpunk at a later date, not to bring this back to that bloody virus, but it kind of reminds <laughs> me of every time I have a conversation with my mum about when things might "quote unquote" go back to normal. <laughs> of course, within reason, things will probably never go back back to normal. But every day, every t- week, I talk to her. It's like pushed back by another month. Like maybe summer will be okay, <laughs> and everyone, <laughs> everyone's just hanging on to that little bit of hope for when normality returns. It's the same with this
0: fucking game. What's scary about your analogy there is it's probably too accurate because you just said it. You're like, people keep saying, when we go back to normal after COVID, and then you corrected yourself and said, let's be honest, we'll never go back to normal, normal. Yeah. I think the rea- reality with Cyberpunk is people are saying, when the game is fixed, it's like, come on, it's <laughs> it never going to be fixed, fixed. <laughs> That's so true. It's, oh. it's, it's going to be something different, and we'll oh. have to get used to it. And... That's the way it's going to be. Whether it's life post-Covid or Cyberpunk
1: 2077, we're going to have to learn to live a life with compromises. Life is about compromise.
0: Life is about compromise. So there is, let me say, just for people who who do bump into this bug uh, or may bump into it if you haven't got past it yet and you're worried about it, there is a hotfix. Sorry, not hotfix, there is a workaround, which is one of the worst workarounds I've heard in a computer game. So apparently, this is off CDPR's site. So basically what you have to do is once you finish the mission, immediately upon coming out of the um, the area before Takamura calls you you pause the game you skip 23 hours sorry if you this is if you haven't reached the bug yet and you do bump into it you skip 23 hours ahead and then you should then not have the issue so Takamura shouldn't call and get stuck if you've already um, had the bug you have to reload a save from before you finish the mission and do and then finish the mission again then wait uh, pro- uh, progress time by 23 hours and then um, see if it if it's fixed. It shocking. The, pr- the problem is here if you haven't got a save from before that, and you've let's say you've run off and done other stuff in the world, side quests and whatever, expecting this to cure itself. Yeah, you're going to be kind of stitched up, aren't you? You're going to be a bit stitched. Oh, absolutely! Bit, six, like
1: having to roll back to an old save stuffed. because of a game breaking bug is like the definition of bullshit. <laughs> I was hoping for a more um, impactful word there, but yeah, bullshit. I'll settle for that.
0: I want to say that they. Um, I want to say that, they, that they've got like a. At least that's. They've then said that that'll work if you do that, but they haven't even said that. they yeah, like, and if, then see what and then try and if it, and it should have worked. If it hasn't, do it again. Exactly. Like, the thing back, is because it's reload. not even a
1: workaround. It's basically like yeah, we've got a thing. We think make sure uh, that you'll avoid it happening if it hasn't happened to you yet. But you're right. Yes. They've got no solution for anyone. This has already happened to. And look, no. P, you know, developers get caught off guard by this stuff. These are things that probably didn't get uh, found in testing somehow. And if they did, they were probably overlooked for bigger, nastier issues, uh, such as the way the games are developed nowadays. But still, like, just a just a bad look. Because the other thing about this is like bugs being introduced or reintroduced in later patches and later fixes. Also, a thing that games have to go through. We all understand that, sure. But it's just that. We've reached the point now with this game that anything that happens, any subsequent issue, bug, and so on and so forth, that this game has to deal with just adds to the uh, frustration around it and gives podcast people like us more fuel to uh, (laughs) throw all over that already raging fire, which why, why wouldn't we? People love it.
0: They do, apparently they do, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the only other issue with it, so one of the things I suppose I can give to them is, with a game this size, the idea and the, the rate at which they're trying to get hotfixes and patches out, I guess one of the problems is they can't start a new campaign and go from start to finish in, in quality testing every time they've got a new patch to release because they just don't have time. So let's say that right. they, every every hotfix they dropped in, um, in December, I guess that they were doing them at such a clip that it would have taken you know 25 hours or whatever to get through that story and some of the side stuff and get to the end and test it again and could they really do that maybe not but hey yeah. that that's still their job yeah <laughs> ultimately what that's what
1: those departments are for Yikes.
0: so they did have a tiny little bit of a uh, of a boost um today actually though Jamie which um we'll talk we'll get into a little bit of uh, more of a chat about stock and stuff later <laughs> god which will be exciting. Uh, Um, But Elon Musk um, actually tweeted about Cyberpunk specifically and uh, kind of um, CDPR adjacent in another sense, because he... uh, Let me just find the tweets. What did I do with them? I've stuffed them somewhere. and I can't bloody find them. Classic. Um, He was talking about his uh, Cybertruck, and he put a few pictures up of the Cybertruck. And uh, you can actually play... The Witcher 3, I believe, and Cyberpunk on the display, the touchpad display or whatever it is. I don't know what interface you can use, a control or something, but you can play it on the model, is it the Plaid S, the Tesla Plaid S,
1: I believe. You're speaking in code to me. That's all double Dutch. A,
0: a car. It's a Tesla car. I don't
1: know anything about <laughs> Teslas. I've got to be honest.
0: So I've got his tweets here. So he said, um, uh, he started off by saying, even Discord has gone corpo, which if you you know play a bit of Cyberpunk, a little you know, reference a a there, reference. Sure. Yep. Um, He then, a few little things he mentions about the car, but then he says, the aesthetics of Cyberpunk are incredible, by the way. The interior design is, it does one of those. Okay. Um, And he says that the Cybertruck can play Cyberpunk. Uh, The Plaid Model S, he's talking about, ships next month. But because he said that, because the man himself, the myth, (laughs) Elon Musk, the strange dude that he is, um, he bumped the stock price of CD Projekt by about 20%. Yeah. Um which is incredible. Is it's... it though given what else given the week we've had is it no, and yeah okay fair enough it's not. I was happy because I've you know my stock, I've got a few shares in um yeah. CD project and it bumped them up a little. bit. But, but it's five. one of the got, well, yeah. got five.
1: And it's also one of those things where again for as we'll get into later on these things change numbers change numbers go up numbers go down but how much of it, anything behind those numbers is really changing.
0: Yeah, not a lot. Yeah. especially if they if they drop another patch and it is you know there's another game breaking bug we'll introduced. See. We'll see. Gonna... We'll see. I we I, will I, see.
1: I almost feel like that, I mean I'm no game developer. <laughs> I feel like I have to say that up front. Um, but I almost feel like it would have been in their best interests to try and get some big top level. Um, very visual improvement into this patch, even if it's something like really arbitrary, just so they could allow people to go and make those inevitable side-by-side videos, the before and after videos, and say, hey, look, this is something we can see they tangibly improved. It's one of these things where I bet they're working their asses off behind the scenes to get things working in ways that... uh, that we can't see yet, and I bet they're laying the foundations for further improvements that could, wouldn't have been possible with the work they're doing now. It just doesn't translate that well to people who really want to see something happen. Um, and, um, yeah, again, game development isn't as simple as, oh, let's fix this now and give it to people tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Just, just the uh, thought I had.
0: No, I, 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 yeah, Damage no, control. Yeah. I think you're right. I think um, they they should have done something like that. Especially a visual thing would have allowed people yeah. to, like you say, look at it to compare it and to be happy about it. I'm I'm now of the opinion that we're not going to see anything major until probably the beginning of Q4 when the um, you the think you think some, you really think summer's dro- going to
1: be quiet. Well, I guess it depends on your definition of major.
0: Oh, I th- I think I'm sure they they drop some uh, hot fixes for bugs and here and there, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they um. For the launch of the PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X versions, um, they do something a little bit special because those get they're going to really want those to those special. to pop. And they I will. Imagine that, will yeah. I imagine now that they've got a team who are focusing on making the game run amazingly well on those platforms, and they know, do run well
1: out. on those platforms though in terms of
0: performance. Um, in terms of performance, but they need to the, the visuals and stuff aren't very good. They need to sort the visuals out. So the frame rates are fine. The frame rates like sixty FPS um i think even on the xbox series s the frame rates are pretty solid um
1: yes the series s was one of those ones where it was like a a stealth console in terms of how good uh it was relative to the series x and the ps5 i think it took a resolution hit but held its uh frame rate surprisingly well
0: but I i think visuals like ray traced um graphics and things i think the lighting and stuff i think that's what they need to hit with um the next but stuff how can anytime.
1: they how can they improve that stuff and include things that aren't there to be in with in terms of like ray tracing and so on and so forth and maintain that performance
0: um, one that need sound to, they need to do the, they need to do the sort of thing they've done with other versions where they do a 30 frame per second version um, which includes ray tracing or a, oh. you know which we have already seen but I, do you know what I would be tempted I'd probably go for the pretty version. Um, yeah. Over 60 FPS. I mean, personally. you
1: uh, switched uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales over to 60 seconds, ver- 60 frames per second. Excuse me, very briefly on your PlayStation Five, and you thought it looked disgusting.
0: Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. And so you switched it back to pretty. Um,
1: I think you've made it clear, if nothing else, that you have some of the strangest eyes known to man. <laughs> It's, it was nasty.
0: I don't it's too swishy. It was too swishy. Yeah. Too swishy. It was like when you watch the
1: Hobbit in 48 frames, just too swishy. Oh, that was horrible. Too, too swishy. That was far everything looks like it's sped up. Too <laughs> swishy.
0: Um but all of that aside Jamie, yeah. we should give a little shout out to some really special people, um who are our patrons. Oh yes, let's do it. Or patrons, I always get that wrong. Our patrons, I think they are, over at patreon.com forward slash Super Show, And they are the people who really do keep the lights on, keep us um, coming back every week and making more podcasts. Without them, we would have stopped doing this a long time ago out of exhaustion, lack of funds, et, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. <laughs> All of the above. All of the above. Um, so uh, let me give a shout out to AIM, Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Hacksaw Book Reed, Jesper Cam Del Nielsen, Javella Cujo, Leo Murga, Lonnie Thompson, Matt Howie, Magic Grits, Martin Skihan, Mindful Pig, Nathan Piers, Scary Omen, Sean Kennedy, Slippy Meat, Starful Kid, The Mad Rad, Zach Cream, and the Big Dogs, Freddy K official, Manuel Guerrero, Peas Wad, and the Dude Abides. Um, you are all absolute legends, and we really do appreciate you. You wonderful, oh, yeah. wonderful people. Um and if you'd like to join our Discord, um, or sorry, our Patreon, you can get uh, little bonuses, like a link to our Discord, or you can chat to us live. Um, <laughs> we do some extra content. I mean, you make We've it sound like some... a porn thing when you say, when you put that smarty that, voice on. It's like that American announcer. We'll do it live. I don't
1: know. Oh, that's Bill O'Reilly, right? Or whatever his name is. Oh, we'll
0: do it live. Fuck it, we'll do live. That's what he says. Yeah, shouldn't swear. My kid just went to bed a little while ago. He's probably still awake. I, <laughs> I thought you were going to okay.
1: say that your kid's right next to you or something like that. Your
0: kid's like three. three <laughs> no, know I'll get told off. Um, but yes, thank you all of you. Uh, thank we you. Truly, truly appreciate it. Yeah. Um you're the reason
1: we keep the the way we keep the lights on, and the reason Jonesy keeps buying CD Projekt Red stock. So make of that what you will. If you need to pull your pledge as a direct result, I completely understand.
0: It's a good thing it's cheap. What can I say? (laughs) Um, So let's do a comment of the week. Let's do it. And then let's do that that way. Let's do it that way around. So comment of the week comes from Bill Caesar, who says, was just about to go to bed. Looks like I now need to make a cuppa and grab some munchies. Hope you fellas are doing well. And that was because our podcast dropped and he was going to go to sleep, Jamie, but he's two hours. He must have stayed up for him. Yeah. the whole thing. I
1: was going to say, that's a strong commitment there from Bill because... To look at a two-hour upload, something that's just gone live before you go to sleep and think, I'm staying up for that,
0: that t- takes some doing. I have mad respect for you, Bill. That, yeah. is, um, that is commitment. That's a two-hour commitment, and we love you for it. Hell Three yeah. hours of Chris is here, probably. So. Well, exactly. Okay. And shout out that's to anyone that
1: makes that time commitment, whether you do it all in one chunk, as some of you do, even on the night of, or whether you do it out over the course of weeks, if not months, uh, in as many as big a doses as you can handle us <laughs> for, uh, we appreciate it.
0: Even if it's 15 seconds on double speed, and that's all you can do at one go. That's all I do. But,
1: I just watch the first 30 seconds back on double speed to make sure I didn't like, <laughs> accidentally drop the C word or something like that inside the first 30 seconds thing. Okay, I'm in the clear. Moving on.
0: It's all good. It's all good. Well, Jamie, um, yeah. I need to hear what you've been playing this week, mate, because I know you've been playing something um, a little bit new.
1: It is a little bit new. Uh, it was new last week as well, but I have played significantly more of it. Which is to say I I want to say you'd
0: you'd played an hour or half an hour. Literally that. Do you
1: remember week? I had yeah. an absolute nightmare uh, getting it started for various reasons. Uh, that game that we are talking about is Hitman Three, the uh, brand new game from IO Interactive and the final entry into Hitman's World of Assassination trilogy. Before IO go on to do James Bond and whatever else they do, um, I finished that game now, which isn't saying much. Because oh wow. Well, it's not okay. saying much, so the way Hitman works is that there are, in each new Hitman game before DLC or anything like that, there are six new missions, so six new new, new locations, and I mean, some of my first runs on these places might take me like half an hour, some of them, oh, okay. others like uh, approaching maybe an hour, but really, if you were to, Hitman 3 is not really a game that you say, oh I completed Hitman 3, technically you did complete Hitman 3, but it, it's not really that kind
0: of game. No, you you the idea is you play through each level multiple times do different things exactly. different ways of doing each one. Yeah.
1: Um I'm in the process of doing that now. Um I got a couple of uh, escalation contracts they're called where you replay uh, these missions over and over again with increasing numbers of targets and specific like more specifics around how you have to kill them and what kind of rules you have to follow. Um and just trying to get challenges done, get my mastery ranking up on all of those levels. Um, And I think the key thing is I I really like most of those levels. I think a lot of people by now will have heard sort of the highlights. We've all seen that first Dubai level that you sort of uh, skydive onto. Then there's that English estate, that English manor with the murder mystery in in the middle of it. Uh, The level in China, which is kind of this neon drenched nighttime level. First time I think it's rained uh, in the the, uh, recent trilogy. Um, which is actually kind of cool, you know, stylistically and sort of thematically, it it feels pretty nice. Uh, There's some really intriguing levels in there. Um, And, Joe, I've seen some debate back and forth uh, online about whether or not people sort of like these levels. Uh, There are a couple of ones that have become a little bit controversial. Berlin and uh, the final level. I won't say kind of why they're controversial, but some people have drawn some question marks over them. I think for me, though, as a person that's played... uh, every single Hitman game at this stage and sees Hitman 3 as kind of like a bookend to this recent trilogy that encapsulates right. everything that's come before it rather than just a standalone thing. I like them. Um, the Hitman series has always had this problem that I get. you can probably imagine just looking at it, which is that, okay, one of the things that most Hitman levels, if not all Hitman levels need, is something of a clean slate. 47 has to go in at the beginning of a level and come out the end of the level in the same state because... He kind of needs a fresh start to go in and do his thing the next time, right? Like, you yes. need a premise that allows this bald dude who anyone in real life could notice just by looking at him, like, yep, yeah, yeah. that's the <laughs> guy. It's the guy with the barcode in the back of his fucking head. But he needs to be able to fly around the world, go to fucking 18 different countries per game and shoot people and get away with it. It's kind of like The Simpsons how no matter what mad <laughs> shit happens, they still need to be The Simpsons at the end of the episode so they can still be The Simpsons at the start of the next one. Right um hitman's the same in that respect and that really um restricts them in terms of what they can do for story and they've tried to you know in many different ways over the years craft the story that uh, you know ties the various missions and targets together they've done multiple times that thing where oh, all the targets might seem separate and distinct but maybe there's something connecting them all Ooh, they've done that ahead. about 17 times um But ultimately, like they struggle with this idea of, okay, we want the story to have some repercussions and some implications for 47. We want his actions to catch up with him at some point, but how do you do that and keep it as a Hitman game? And the answer for a long time was, you don't. And then they tried a little bit with Hitman Absolution, which unfortunately coincided with a bit of a genre shift towards a more stealth, action-adventure-oriented sort of linear game at times, that tried to maintain some Hitman essence, but failed by most accounts, Um, certainly as as hardcore fans go. And long story short, they've gone back to that well a little bit in this game where they've tried to mix up the uh, mission structure and the way the stories are tied into the missions in a way that creates a little bit more of a unique story for 47 and the people around him and enables them to come to some kind of a conclusion and wrap up the arcs of lots of different characters in a way that's not just here's a cutscene in between every mission that's nothing to do with the shit you just did. Which is what like right. people might have experienced in Hitman One, especially. Um it's why a lot of people thought these recent Hitman games didn't have a story when they absolutely do. Um
0: I must admit, I didn't think they had a yeah. story. I've only played the first one. I think I played one mission in the second one, and I, I assumed it was like, no, no, these are just little sandboxes where nah, you can't. There's, and do there's, there's
1: of totally a story. There's like, there's a lot of cutscenes. There's a lot of voice acting. There are a bunch of characters. Um, they went for it. I think people who are critical of it have said that they are levels that. Because the story is more tied to what you're doing, and certainly inside the story, they are they are pushing stories that take place inside the missions much harder than they have as well. That maybe these are missions that are more suited to three to five playthroughs compared to the hundreds that people might have done in places like Paris and Sapienza. I get that right. criticism, but to me, it's not a criticism. If that makes sense, I see. Yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's
0: interesting because. So, would you say that three is? because I'm trying to think of my experience that I've had with the first ones. So one of the issues I had with Sapienza, and I could be wrong about this, was mm-hmm. I when I, I played that mission a couple of times and I thought, okay, what they've done here is very clever. They've effectively created multiple routes through that they'd envisaged envisaged each route you could play through that game. Like you yeah. get the flower truck, then you use that as your way in, or you go the other way through the back streets where you sort of sneak in like a spy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'd thought through all of those things and got to a point where, I don't know, let's say that there was five or six ways that you could actually get and do that mission. And I thought that was really cool. I really liked how they did that. When I played some of the missions in 2, it felt much more like it was a sandbox that you had a lot more free reign over, and I didn't like that as much. Um, Interesting. Interesting. is that, is that, I don't even know if that's fair, but that's kind of how it felt. You, so is three more of a, you're a hitman, it's a sandbox, do what you want? Or no. are there kind of these threads through each that you can follow?
1: It's, it's really, in a lot of respects, it's the same as one and two in that. So I think what you're referring to is in the first game, they were called opportunities. And in the second and third right. game, I think they're called mission stories and essentially every mission will have a certain amount of them. You'll usually start it by walking up to a certain area, maybe overhearing a conversation or finding a piece of intel. That's right, yeah. And then 47 will go, oh, shit, that's a way to get to this target or to kill this person or whatever it is, and Diana will walk you through various steps. It's actually the thing that gamifies those sandboxes the most out of any of the mechanics because it actually puts markers like, get this suit, get the screwdriver, sabotage this, blah, blah, blah. It walks you through them. Uh, Those are still present. Uh, but I'd say that these levels, I can't back this up with any real data, it's just what it felt like to me, had the least of them. I think some of the missions in the Hitman 3 only have maybe like three or three or four of them per mission, per location. Okay. Um, and they are the most narratively intense. And also there are times now where it really feels like you're pushed in uh, certain directions to experience certain ones. Like the easiest example I can give is that the percentage of people who must go through that English estate mission without doing the private detective route must be tiny because the okay, f- literally yeah. you you start outside the mansion, you run up to it. The first thing you see is the mission story beginning for the private detective route. So it's clear then that's what they want you to do. Kind of reminds me, Dream of Paris, like there must be an overwhelming amount of people who, if they did one playthrough of Paris, they probably oh, the did model. The, yeah, the, the helmet Kruger Helmut Kruger route where you right. kill the model, you go and get your makeup done, you walk the catwalk, and then you get the one on private one on one meeting with the female target in Paris. Yep. So
0: when they say, Wow, you look amazingly similar to the guy in the poster yeah. or similar. Like
1: Which is like that's the other thing I've got to shout out, like Hitman for, because that game has like a sense of humour. Like you just reminded me that obviously there's this weird, the funny running joke that there's a model called Helmut Kruger and he looks exactly like 47, so people <laughs> are complimenting how much you look like him. Then there's this mission later on uh, in Hokkaido. It's like this high-security uh, like uh, hospital, basically, in Japan. And you've checked in there, uh, and there's another guy walking around who has just had plastic surgery to make himself look like Helmut Kruger? And if you go and find <laughs> this guy and walk into him, he gets angry because he thinks that you've had plastic surgery to look like <laughs> Helmut Kruger before he could have it. <laughs> like he's like, you've stolen my idea. Um, like it's got a, a a very funny sense of humour. There's a lot of like a surprising amount of levity considering you know how potentially dark those subject matters can become. Right. Um, I'm, you, I'm which super Hitman positive. game is
0: it? Which Hitman game is it where you um, there's like a a really lush house on a beach and there's with all cameras around it? It's like a smart house.
1: Oh, you're thinking of uh, I think it's called like uh, it's the basically the intro slash tutorial mission of Hitman Two. It's New Zealand. Okay, right. I think it's called like Hawksmoor Bay or something like that. And yeah, it's. Um, it's a, you. Basically, start on the beach in like a wetsuit. You run up. It's this house that's, that's sort of like right, isolated yeah. on the beach. You get some intel, and then the targets arrive with a bunch of security.
0: Ah, oh, that's right. I I liked it. I thought it was a, that was a very cool you, one. You really played
1: really that really one. For, you probably played that at first at the yeah the Hitman Two launch party. That was yes. You know yeah. where the because uh, obviously that's the first mission in the game. It's what we were playing a lot of the time in that on that event. Yeah, yeah, that
0: was that was very cool. I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was very good. It's a cool one. Um, Hitman 3 is a strange one for me. Like, I really want to play it, but I know that if it's anything like 1 and 2, I'll i I'll fall off them so fast, it'll probably be completely pointless. But, um, you know, we'll see. It we'll is, see. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's the thing, like, there are cheaper ways to figure out if you like the Hitman formula than just straight up buying Hitman 3. Like, I'd sooner tell you to go and reinstall Hitman 2, which I think you own, and see if you like it. Because yeah, that's like for
0: sure. If, if, if you that, fall yeah. off
1: Hitman two after half an hour, then don't buy Hitman three. It really is that <laughs> no. simple. Like
0: no, absolutely.
1: So like uh, yeah. But uh, for anyone that again, I guess is remotely interested, I'm super positive on Hitman three. I think great way to wrap up that series. And if you can get all those levels in one place because you're in the previous two, just go for it. Like it's great to have installed on your P- uh, your PC or your PlayStation or Xbox. Just jump back into do a quick run. You know,
0: I, I love that about it. Um, Do you know what I nearly did today? Someone tweeted at me one of those things like, "Oh, what are your six favourite games?" And um, I was tempted to put Hitman One on there,
1: um, like Codename Forty Seven, Tr- Hitman One. Yes, interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, I. Remember, but it's one of those things where it's tough when you have those things. Is is my memory of this game good because it's a memory and you know you're a different person, it's a different time, which I'm sure which is true of every game. But I was I wasn't quite sure if I should. But I remember like loving Hitman One. But actually, what's funny is the missions I didn't like toward the end of the game were the ones that they kind of, that the modern games are most similar to. Um, ah, okay. Not, not so, I mean, not as not as bad. Like some of the ones at the end of the game get ridiculous. They get just like third-person action shooter type things, which is not you, you, what you I'm going to
1: guess you fondly, most fondly remember the one that's in like Chinatown or something, the one where you can snipe your targets. I forget where. Yeah, where, the first yeah. level. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Well, because that was that was one that um I was playing with my brother and we we were walking around with this briefcase with a sniper rifle in and we were like what what are we supposed to do? There's nothing that tells you what to do. And then I said if this game is cool, if this is like a legit cool game, we'll need to get to the top of a building. And we walked around and found a, found a lift, got in it, took us to the top of the building, sniped the dude, got out of there and we were like this game's incredible. Yeah. And then you but and then you do the hotel mission. Which I don't know if you if you remember that, but you you can't go. There's a metal detector as you go into the hotel. There's a guy right. you've got to take out, and you effectively you can do it one way by like a, you've got a box of roses which has got a shotgun inside, but you've got to figure out how to get the shotgun. You've got to get the roses because you couldn't take a gun in with you. Um, they they do you that, end up,
1: yeah. And
0: that was brilliant. That that mission was. art. Oh, they like, do that. that they do that
1: exact mission. same trick at the beginning of Hitman 2: Silent Assassin, where like. um,
0: Metal with a metal detector.
1: I don't think it's a metal detector. I think it's a frisk, but you can hide something in a bouquet of flowers. It's the same as that. There are metal detectors in some level. I always remember there's a metal detector in one of the levels in Blood Money, and one of the tactics we used to do is that you could uh, go into the level with your stuff in a briefcase, go to one of the corners and just throw a whole briefcase (laughs) over the wall, go through the metal detector run and get your briefcase.
0: That's great. I love that.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, good series. And you know what's funny? It's like, you mentioned how it was the free-form approach to that uh, sniping assassination you did in the first mission of Codename 47 that made you and your brother like Hitman. You can still do that in Hitman. Like, I did a mission the other day, one of the DLC levels for Hitman 2. I forget what it's called. It's set on some basically a fancy island resort. And I noticed there was a challenge of, like, yeah, get to the top of the uh, radio tower tower and snipe all three targets. So I was like, "Fuck, I'm doing right. that." So literally, I went in with a sniper and a briefcase. I got one disguise because I was like, "I don't want to have to shoot the people who guard the radio tower. I just want to get their disguise and get through." Climbed the ladder, got to the top, sniped all three targets, and ran out and had complete the level in like five minutes.
0: Oh, nice! I w- actually want to say there's a there's one in the second um, uh, Hitman, the new you know the new one, this trilogy, the second one uh, where you have to shoot the Formula One driver. Yeah, the the, 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 the
1: the race the racer. It's actually a chick, I think that that at Target. But you can you can kill her just by shooting the the car she's driving as she drives around.
0: Right, because I, I remember trying to do that on the. Um, I think it was that was at the uh, event to play uh, You know, a I remember, we yeah. the game as well. And but I and I was horrendous. Like they have the car.
1: Um, they have snipers now that if you half squeeze the trigger, it slows down time makes that much
0: easier ah i was gonna say that was kind of rough when i first did that yeah. and you couldn't it was pretty difficult yeah um well there you go so i'm gonna keep my catch up really short because uh, i don't think it really bears talking about too much but
1: i'm i'm fucking curious based <laughs> on what i've gotten this piece of paper in front of me so take as much weird, time as you need
0: i have a weird thing that sometimes i just really want to play a certain type mm-hmm. of game and i've been playing a lot of um, ghost of tsushima and i've you know i've but I'm not going to talk about it. i have probably bored people with that at the moment. Really enjoying that game. Still think it's fantastic. Um, but I wanted something different. I, and I wanted something which wasn't very that. Um, and I wanted to say a bit freeform. And I happened to go on Steam just to like look at what was available. And one of the things that popped up to me, yeah, this is literally yesterday, so I only played a few hours of this, was the fact that Postal 4, which is in early access, um, had their third patch they called the monday tuesday and wednesday patch and the wednesday patch uh was released yesterday um and so i was like do you know what i've played <laughs> postal like a tiny bit a tiny tiny bit let me see what Postal's about if you just sit down from the start and play that game um it's obviously like i said in early access so it's not finished yes but-
1: we, we did we did play it at uh ATG, Steph and I on a live stream did you the, okay, well you we, it was we played it like the day it came out though so that's Over a year and many many patches ago, so I'm curious to know what you thought.
0: It was it it, it was what it 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 felt very old school, like an old school type of game. Um, It was very it felt very dated. It looked very dated. I want to say that the dude who plays the main character almost sounds like um, the guy who plays the alien from Destroy All Humans. (laughs) Like he's got a really oh wow. 90s or like noughties video game voice okay like he's like hey let me go over here and do this he's like, like i always remember
1: it's almost like a jute newcomb kind of voice
0: y- yeah no to be fair yeah yeah it's that sort of thing as well like it's a a strong american accent where he's like yeah. but he's it's a, it's a weird game like i didn't i didn't really know what to expect because i'd never tried to play that game outside of like just run around and piss on people <laughs> and you, well b- you can still do that you can do that but there are missions as well and it's like so I started out and I was like okay I'm going to try and play this game without hitting anyone hurting anyone doing anything I'm going to try and do the game and the first thing you're supposed to do is like find a job and so you go to the job centre and then you this horrible guy like I've got these three horrendous jobs for you to do and I started doing them but it's the most weak source kind of missions design and things but it's fair enough it's not really supposed to be yeah. that sort of game is it? It's just a game to have a laugh and... <laughs>
1: Well, for, for I don't yeah, know, maybe you know, for, I think for you and me, yeah, maybe for some people, less so. I don't know.
0: I was hoping for it to be a little bit more of a crazy fun time, and it just felt a little. But it's in early access, so it's not really fair to judge it on how it plays at the moment. I think it needs a, it needs a bit more,
1: yeah, um,
0: development time. Because I think it's technically still alpha. So it needs,
1: yeah, it needs I might have to look that up and see kind of what was what was new and what was added. It was in a really weird spot when we played it back in the day. <laughs> well, it had literally just come out. Like the first ever public release version of it.
0: I want to say, I was reading up on it a little bit, and it was saying that um, Post- Postal Three was made by different people and was apparently awful. And so this game is now made by the guys who made um, Postal Two, yeah. and they couldn't even. Dis- they weren't even going to call it Postal Four because they said it was. Um, it- did they want to completely ignore the fact that Postal Three even existed? And some um, weird Russian
1: fair, weird Russian thing, wasn't it? Postal Three, like some Russian I, I publisher was idea. involved.
0: Right. Right. But, but I think fair play to them to try to get back to making a game that their fans love. And, hey, I'm going to stick with it and see how it, see how it plays and play a bit more of it. Like I said, I only played a few hours yesterday, but Hell it's yeah. fun. It's fine. It controls all right. You can you shoot can, people and stuff. You can
1: piss on people. You can chop their heads off. You can steal little granny scooters and drive around and run people over and
0: all sorts. What, So one thing that did happen, which I'll say, is I was driving on a little scooter and I ran someone over. When oh, no, I nearly ran someone over and they like screamed and ran. Yeah. And then I did run someone over and the, the policeman I'd just driven past was like, hey, get over here. And they started running after me and I drove off. And then I want to say that another cop then saw me and was like, hey, here he is. We've got to get him. And for a minute I thought, wow, this has got better AI than Sniperpunk. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no which was which I was then like fair play to them like they've got you know the AI seems to be alright oh dear you've heard sad but true yeah so good I heavens apologize. CDPR I apologise but you know it is what it is anyway hey that's it that's all I've played apart from like I said a bit more of Toshima yeah. but I'm not, not going to um, get into that
1: I hopefully have some more stuff to uh, talk about next week because I I've ne- I'm nearly done with something big I'm in the, <laughs> oh. in the
0: uh, I'm getting there, I'm getting close. Um, I'm just wondering, what do you want us, what should we talk about first? Should we, I, I should, think, we, should we go in order or should we kick off with something else?
1: I think let's go in order. Just, let, I feel like it's it's clearly on a lot of people's minds. It's the thing that we were talking about the most before we actually hit record for whatever reason. I don't know how much we understand it. Um, I, I And... But we'll we'll try we'll try. It's a story, right? Like it's it's happening. It it's hip hop and happening.
0: Um, so, if you hadn't have enough, if you hadn't have enough to talk about um, stocks and shares already, you're Ugh. in for a treat because today. So we're recording this on uh, Thursday night. It is about nine o'clock at the moment, and it has been a very exciting week, Jamie, for GameStop. Um, it has the American-based uh, video game company, um, <laughs> because. So, okay, let me, let me give people the quick rundown in case they don't know. So, effectively, what happened with um, GameStop was it's obviously a an outlet shop that's kind of like game in the UK um, or electronics boutique. It's a retailer. Have, it's a retailer. They have different stores. They sell video games. Not a great business to be in um, in this day and age anyway. And then you get COVID. It gets even worse. But it was looking like they were going to go out of business completely last year. Um, but they got bought by uh, – oh, God, I can't remember who it was. They, they got snapped up by someone else um, – who was then going to try and turn it around and make it an online, um, like using the name and everything, was going to make it an online retailer. And this sort of thing that could rival Amazon, this was the big plan, right, was to completely do a 180 and make uh, GameStop a successful online retailer. Um, The issue with that was, after that happened and these guys took over on the board and they were going to, you know, do really well with this, the stock price kind of ticked up a little bit. And apparently a load of Wall Street guys said, ha ha ha, Nice try. This is never going to happen. What we're going to do is short your stock, and so this is the start of January. So effectively, shorting stock is where, in case people who, ha- in case people haven't seen the big short, shorting stock is simply where you borrow stock from people who own it um, and you sell it to other people, and then you act as the middleman. And then what happens well, is, if that stock price goes down in value, whilst you are that whilst you are the, the middleman. You then buy it back from um, the market and sell it back to the person who you originally bought it off because they still own stock in it. You've got to give it back. But if the stock's gone down in value, obviously it's cheaper for you to buy it back to sell it to the owner. I, so you make money.
1: I think sometimes with shorting, like the easiest way for my brain to um, process it is just to say, you're betting that the stock's going to go down. Yes,
0: you're, you're yes. Betting you're betting it's, it's going to go, lose value. There is a weird thing with shorting, though, because if normally with stocks, if you think about if you buy something which is worth $10 and it goes down to zero, you lose $10. The weird thing with shorting is you're betting that it's going to go down. So if the stock goes up, you could actually lose, you know, you could lose an infinite amount of money because that stock price could go infinitely high, but you still have to buy that stock back and give it to the person who owned it. So your risk is massive. It can be massive, right? Step in, Reddit, and a whole bunch of small investors, people like me... I've got, uh, I've got an app on my phone that allows me to buy individual stocks and things. Um, as I, like I said, own five, five shares in CD Projekt. Um These guys on Reddit and these sort of small investors decided, you know what, we're not going to let you make a whole load of money out of shorting GameStop. We are going to buy GameStop stock. And so you get a rush to buy it, forces the price up. And so let me give you just a couple of numbers here. So... Um, the previous peak, just as an example of GameStop, was uh, they were worth $60 a share in 2008, right? Um, that went up to $469 per share this morning at 10am. So that is a epic, less like a 983% increase in its highest. So it wasn't even at that. Earlier in January, it was at something like $20 or something like that. So it was it, so that and that was the the huge, almost thousand percent increase in the price. Um and this effectively is the fight between the small guy and Wall Street, because the Wall Street hedge funds hedge funds are trying to make a load of money out of shorting this stock. Um yeah. but Jamie, they've actually lost billions, the hedge funds, because they've been they effectively have to pay to hold on to these short positions. And it's cost them so much money to hold these positions that the little guys have actually beaten a lot of these dudes and they've made the hedge funds sell their their shorts to cover their positions and they've lost billions in doing so.
1: Yes. um, I think uh, Business Insider estimated that uh, around $5 billion has been lost uh, by GameStop shorters in the year of 2021. Um, I think it was... Over $800 million on Tuesday alone of this week that we're recording this, lost by uh, uh, individuals or hedge funds or investors that were trying to short uh, GameStop stock. I guess the other thing that I kind of picked up during all of this is that the reason these uh, price increases go up so fast um, and so, so dramatically, it's like... Reddit and the Wall Street Bets subreddit and all the you know small investors around the world who play a part of it obviously are doing their thing. But the other thing that happens is you end up w- with what's called, I think, a short squeeze. Yeah, which is that. So uh, let's say Wall Street Bets, for example, will uh, start pumping money into GameStop. The value GameStop's value will go up. The share prices will go up. The stock price will go up. Um, and uh, the companies that hold shorts in those companies, somebody, excuse me, the company, the people that hold shorts in the company. Uh, essentially then have to uh, have a choice of cashing out, basically paying what they owe, admitting that they've lost money and can't compete and getting out of there, which some of them have done, or doubling down. And the ones that double down are the ones that say, okay, we've lost a shitload of money to this in theory, but we still believe that it's going to go down eventually, so we're not going to give up our position. And they borrow more to reshort um, the, the the stocks, which then makes it go go, like, straight up again, because technically you now have more people spending more money on that stock, even if it's the people themselves backing the original decisions they've made. But like Jonesy said... Um, some hedge funds, for example, haven't been able to keep up and have had to lose their position and give up their shorts and pay the excess that they owed because the value of GameStop stock was so much higher than it was when they shorted it. Uh, one uh, hedge fund, for example, had to uh, accept a 2.7 billion dollar cash infusion to cover its position. Um, that so, is
0: absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, um, there's been so much talk about this, Jonesy. I don't know how you, I, I don't know how you feel, but like I've been struggling to keep up like the narrative has changed so, so much in that, like, is this kind of like a, uh, a, you know, like a good guys versus bad guys thing where you've got the Wall Street billionaires and the hedge fund managers against the little guys who are rallying together and, you know, power of the people? Or is this some weird thing that's all a big meme or a joke that got out of control? Is this, is there anything about this that breaks any kind of laws, which I, it doesn't seem like there is based on, some people's advice, but certainly there are lots of people in financial advisory positions and in the media and stuff like that who aren't happy about this because their Wall Street buddies are losing money. It's so multifaceted and it's been rolling for so long that sitting now bait to this podcast, it seems hard to encapsulate is what I'm saying.
0: I, I, do you know what? I think is brilliant. I think it's brilliant. The whole, um, the stock market in general, I mean, uh, is... Largely bullshit. Like so much <laughs> of that, so much of the value of stocks and shares and how companies trade and companies that you know they're worth this or they're worth that or their share goes up, their share price goes down, is just like ludicrous. Uh, Jersey, go, go
1: back to the beginning of the uh, the podcast. Why did CD Projekt Red stock price go up? Because <laughs> <laughs> one, because a man who makes electric cars did a tweet.
0: Yes, exactly, and it's because it's all about like I suppose in a lot of this is if people feel confident that something's going to go up. Then they buy it, and but then that's not just you doing that. There's millions of people around the world, or thousands of people doing it, and so it drives the price up, and then the price goes up. So people want to be in, so they buy in. So the idea that this is any different to that, there's a lot of rubbish. Like there's there's such skeezy goings on in the <laughs> stock market. Like anyway, um, I think this is the little man fighting back against the Wall Street who make epic amount of money over you know just betting and, and guessing and doing whatever. And I think it's um, I think it's good which leads us to actually then um because you know when you think of that when you think of the little guy beating the big guy you know taken from the rich to feed the poor you think of robin Hood, don't you jamie <laughs> you do think of robin hood josie and in and in actual fact there is a uh there was an app um or i don't know, if it's a website uh, sorry or an app but um called robin hood which was an investment platform for people um who weren't traders but who want to do like Little day trades here and there, and put some money in that people were using in order to buy um, uh, stock in uh, GameStop. And one of the things that happened, and this happened, it didn't happen to me because I wasn't going to actually buy it, but I use an app called Trading212. And on Robinhood, on Trading212, and apparently a whole load of other platforms, um, they actually stopped people being able to buy GameStop stock. Um, they said, do you know what? We think it's too risky for our clients. What a load of bollocks. Um, but so what we want to do is we're going to stop you buying. You can sell, but you can't buy any more stock, um, which then forced down the price um, of the stock in a relatively short amount of time. So there was an article from BBC. Uh, I think it was, well, you shared it with me just, after, just before we got on this podcast. So not from too long ago. Yeah. Um, effectively... Effectively pointing out that because the because these apps have stopped people, the small investor people, buying any stock, it's artificially, it's let the price fall, which is what the hedge funds and the traders and things want because they've got a short position. So it seems like there's some dodgy insider um, dealing going on, which is criminal in the financial sector. You can't do insider trading. And we've actually now, which is, this is brilliant. You've got AOC, Donald Trump Jr., Ted Cruz and Dave Portnoy and Elon Musk, who've all who are all agreeing on Twitter, who are sort of, well, by agreeing, we say like just tweeting, I agree um, in the case yeah. of Elon Musk, um, have agreed that the apps that are stopping small investors from purchasing are actually doing something which is not okay. And this, it could be that they're uh, fiddling the system because they're trying to stop their Wall Street friends from losing a crap load of money. Yeah. Um,
1: and Robinhood, I think, has been uniquely targeted because it was the app that I think saw arguably the biggest boom in sort of activity with regards to everything going on with with GameStop and and, and AMC and so on and so forth. I've got in here a page in front of me now that uh, mobile downloads for Robinhood this week. Um, this was a tweet from earlier today. Uh, most single day downloads, most, highest number of uh, DAUs, daily active users, two point six million. Because it was ranked a. Uh, number one overall in iOS app store and Reddit uh, ranked number two overall. Um, and now they've kind of blown it uh, in many respects. Uh, I can't, I mean, a huge amount of faith lost incredibly incredible amount of bad publicity on what is quickly becoming what feels like in our little bubble, at least Jonesy, like one of the biggest stories of the year to emerge so far. That's not about, you know, life on planet earth and, and the coronavirus and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's also worth noting that. uh, Sorry, I was going to say um, there was a report earlier from Vice, I think, that over fifty percent of Robinhood users owned GameStop stock. So it was an app that seemed to be, by most accounts, almost expressly used for that purpose. Um, So kind of crazy the uh, the moves being made today.
0: Can I get so here's here's the um, the blurb from uh, the app I use. They said due to buy restrictions placed by our intermediary. And every major execution venue worldwide, GameStop will be placed in close mo- close only mode, so you can you can't buy any new shares. And the price, since we've been talking, it has gone from I think it was at like two hundred and fifty, it's down to one hundred and ninety-seven. This definitely seems like some dodgy going on. And I'm all for the little man standing up and uh, you know getting a little bit of change in their pocket. Why should the big guys be the only ones to do that? I think it's um, yeah skeezy. Can I, can I also read you the tweet from AOC? Cause yeah, let's do it. AOC, let's do it. Why not? Let's load up. She said, uh, this is unacceptable. We now need to know uh, more about Robinhood App's decision to block retail investors from purchasing stock while hedge funds are freely able to trade the stock as they see fit. As a member of the Financial Services Committee, I'd support a hearing if necessary. And then um, Ted Cruz has retweeted that and said he fully agrees. Crazy. Uh, crazy. And then Dave Portnoy as well says, um, turns out Robinhood app is the biggest frauds of them all. Democratizing finance for all is what they say they do, except when we manipulate the market because too many ordinary people are getting rich. But I think this is the start of the end, mate. I think this is people realizing well, <laughs> they actually can make a difference.
1: Yeah, uh, fundamentally, yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. Wall Street Bets is a, a, was a big community of people, I think bigger than uh, people had imagined. When I first uh, was looking at it maybe a handful of days ago, it was on 2.2 million users. Um, I think that subreddit is probably significantly bigger now as a result of all this exposure it's gotten. But the other thing now is you've also got a huge number of people who have been reminded that actually there's a, that they actually have a huge amount of power if they work together on certain issues. Um, but you've also probably got a huge amount of people who are now more interested in ever with regards to how this works and how people make money doing this stuff. And whilst not every one of those people will stick – everyone probably has a, a point in, in like a, a day or a week or a month or a year at some point in their life where they go, huh, trading that people make money doing that. I can make money. doing. I'm good at maths. You know, my arithmetic's pretty straight, but like everyone has that moment. Don't get me wrong. Same way. Everyone gets the moment where they go, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. Um, doesn't mean you're going to write a book. Hate to break it to you. Um, but some people will. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how this, uh, how this plays out in that sense. Um but, but it, yeah, you know, yeah, this is, I don't.
0: must may be ridiculous, but I should at this point we should say uh, we do not condone going out and buying individual stocks in anything because you probably will lose money but yes that, you know like, yeah. having don't rush out and just dump all your cash like Jonesy and I have something-
1: been watching this for a, for a couple of days, but as far as I'm aware, unless you got, uh, to keep it in secret from me, Jonesy, neither of us have acted on anything that's happened this week in We've in a not. financial sense. Uh, I
0: dabble. I've got, I think I've got about hundred quid in uh, in stocks and shares just for fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please don't bet Do your what? life away. It's, fu- on some...
1: it's, it's it's funny, Jonesy. I was literally um, I was go, I went down this route. I had a bit of a midlife crisis maybe a month ago, where I was like, you know, one of those things where you, you have like, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be more to life moments. Maybe you don't have that because sure. you've got the the family and the house and all that stuff. But certainly I still have, there's got to be more to life moments. Um, and it took me down that road of looking into this stuff. Um, even ironically, looking at Wall Street bets a little bit and trying to pass all the bizarre terminology and vocabulary they use, I don't understand it. Something about having, having a diamond hands and holding on, um, that's as much as I can gather. But I uh, inevitably I start going on YouTube videos, like interviews with fucking teenage or um, early 20 millionaires and day traders and stuff like that. And always the same shit happens. You get a, a video and you're recommended. Some guy like, how I lost $400,000 in one day. <laughs> and and it's just some like point blank interview where a guy's like, yeah, everything was kind of going well. And I lost it all because I realized the only reason I'd made anything to begin with is because the gambles I made paid off. And then eventually one didn't. Um, I, I don't get me wrong. There, there are smart ways of going about this, as there are smart ways of going about anything. And I'm not going to try and draw parallels between you know trading and, and investing and say I'm not going to a casino because one is literally a game of chance and the other has a little bit more going on. But I just think, certainly for me, like this is never going to be a world that I can truly pass enough to m- m- change my life with. You know, so this stuff's fun and fascinating, but all from a safe distance.
0: Well, that's because that's the the thing is like traders don't make money from putting money into stocks and shares and then uh and they make good bets and then they make money. That's not how they make money. They make money because they get a percentage of all the money that you put through them, and so they make money by going. This guy gave me a hundred million. I get two percent. Of him buying X Y Z, so he buys that, and then I convince him to buy to actually sell that, and then buy this, and sell that, and buy this, and sell that, and buy this, and they get a percentage of everything it's every a fucking that guy makes. Wolf of Wall Street. That's that they, d- yeah, exactly. They don't make any money through like the actual trade. Well, they do if the trade works, but they just make money in every eventuality. But it's not their money in the first place. So, but
1: even the, even, the, are, even the even the stay at home investors, the people who are actually investing their money into
0: stocks and shares every their own money, like. I think there's probably a lot more of those who lose it than make money doing it. And that's the thing. It's like the the um, people who it's the Darren the- Brown thing. Did you ever see the Darren Brown thing where he he told someone to pick a horse and he was going to tell them which horse to pick in a horse race for like eight races straight and who to bet on and they bet on the same they did exactly what he said every time and by the end of it they'd won like 10 grand and they were like oh I my goodness this. this is this is incredible how have you how have you done this? And it turned out that what he did was he started out with like 64 people, or what, how many needed, and he told them to bet on every horse available in that race. Then, all the ones that won, he took to the next race, and he told them to bet on every horse, and all the ones that won, he took to the next race. So, he ended up with one person who'd won every race, and like 60 people that had lost yeah. money. And then they only showed you the story of the well, one. yeah,
1: because the people that lose all their money and all their life savings in this game, they don't, they don't, <laughs> probably don't do, ask for interviews about it. You know they don't. No, no, ru- this was the, they
0: gave them the money. This was the trick. No, but I, I'm they, saying
1: I'm saying in general, oh, like right, it, right. it's the same as. It reminds me of. Um, this is gonna. I can bring it back to games actually. Here, um, sometimes <laughs> i will be you. playing Warzone uh, with the sort of the crew I usually run with, and there was one game the other day where, uh, as a team, we killed about. Um, I think we killed like in the, in the 30s, like in terms of the total number of uh, kills we got between us four as a quad team. Uh, and Very then we nice. got killed by a team and we were all really angry. We're like, Oh man, they were so good. Why are we getting matched up with these people? It's so much better than us. Shit matchmaking, skill-based matchmaking, diamond one lobbies, all that you, everything under the sun. <laughs> and we made the observation. Um, I would say I made the observation, but I don't want to sound like I'm some like holier than now guy who makes snarky <laughs> remarks in the wake of defeat in a video game. Cause he wants to be friends with that person. Um, but I was like, do you know why this feels worse than it is? Because we get hung up so hung up over the one team that were better than us, we completely forget about the eight teams we fucking destroyed. Um, Yes, and like it's all. I guess it's like investing. Like the people who lose all their money don't spend their lives telling everyone about how they lost their money because they lost all their money. They don't. They're embarrassed. They don't want to tell. They're not going to write a book about I lost all my money and how's and here's how you can do it too. They're not going to put make a course together about how they lost all their money. (laughs) You're going to see interviews and books and courses from the people, and movies made about people who made
0: millions and billions and so on and so forth. Like that's, do you know, what, that's actually uh, one of my favorite examples of um, when you ever see adverts on YouTube. So before you might have even seen before this this uh, podcast, if you're watching it on YouTube, they'll have an advert where they say, um, uh, "I'm going to if you sign up to my course, I'll show oh, yeah. you how I made four hundred thousand um, dollars, but you know, in one month, and I paid off my mortgage. I did this, I did that, and I was think." Then why are you making a course about? Her? Why don't you just go and do it again, <laughs> bro? I, I. This isn't
1: exactly the same thing, so I understand. Before anyone gets too angry, there's, there's, you know, levels to it, and there's theory, and there's teaching, and blah, 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 blah. But I uh, used to be, uh, I used to go out with a girl who wanted to be an actress, and uh, she would, she liked to read books about acting, like acting theory and acting craft and how you can improve your performances. And I used to joke with her and say, do you know who hasn't written one of those books? Meryl Streep. Do you know why? She's got fucking four Oscars above the fireplace. Like she doesn't need to write a book. Like who's out here getting roles saying, God, I'm so busy. But do you know what? I'm going to turn down all my roles for the next six months so I can write a book about how to be a good actor. Just go and be a good actor. No one does it.
0: Oh the people that didn't make it. Who yeah, exactly. Books. Those that can't do teach.
1: And that's uh, you know not trying to be too harsh, but yeah,
0: that's why I guess you have a lot of stock like uh, people running how to pick stock courses like online, and you think sh- maybe just go pick stock if you're so good at it, and yeah. just like make your money. That you, way. Prob- you, you probably do probably probably wouldn't need the money you made from this book or this course you actually made as much yeah. money as we thought you did Par- in that. Apparently, it's, here's, here's my financial tip: diversified mutual funds. Apparently, they're the only way to go. That's what you want to do. I don't anyway. know what that
1: means. I'm just waiting until. <laughs> actually, I'm not going to say that. That's that's morbid.
0: Let's move on. <laughs> do you know what? um you know what we should talk about now? We should actually talk about some more games because PlayStation Plus, Jamie, um, PlayStation Plus. A, if you're if you've got a PlayStation, they want to put a smile on your face in February um, because they are releasing Destruction All Stars Control Ultimate Edition and Concrete Genie to PlayStation yeah. Plus members. This which was, is
1: yeah, great month. Sick. Great month. Uh, one of the happiest I've ever been at the
0: PlayStation Plus game announcements for for a long time, and for various reasons. Um, I, see, I, guess, I think Destruction All-Stars, we obviously talked about last week. It was one of the games when, um, I think we, was it the week before? No, it wasn't last week, where we talked about the fact that um, it could have gotten pushed, but it wasn't getting pushed. We knew it wasn't because it was going to be February in the February uh, PlayStation Plus games. Um, and then, of course, uh, Control Ultimate Edition is the version of the game that has the PlayStation 5, uh, is it an update? I guess it's an update. This so this is what's complicated
1: about control, and this is why some people are pissed off and some people like myself are happy. Control was very this very strange case where uh, obviously came out on the, on PC and the Epic Game Store, PlayStation and Xbox, uh, and. Was a game that seemed on you know on paper to be the perfect fit for a next gen upgrade because you know the you know, the particle effects and more specifically the ray tracing. They worked very closely with Nvidia. It was a huge showcase for ray tracing. In fact, I remember you and Chris went to an RTX event and like the two things mm. you played there were Quake Two and and Control, pretty much, um, more or less. There might have been a few other things, but yeah, I it th- was yeah. it was one of the showcases for it. ray tracing. Um, but then they basically completely fucked everyone over with the way that this game was going to be re-released for next-gen consoles. Because they essentially said there would be no upgrade path, no like free upgrade for owners of Control. Instead, what they were doing and what they claimed they had to do was re-release Control as a completely new SKU, a completely new product uh, that would be that would be called Control Ultimate Edition, which was Control with the DLC and would be on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. But even if you owned the Control Deluxe Edition, which included like all the content of the Control Ultimate Edition, you wouldn't get the PS5 upgrade. So there were some people who had already paid for and owned every element that there is to own of the of Control on their PlayStation 4 that would have to buy everything again to play it on PlayStation 5, which then, unsurprisingly, you know, inspired a lot of people to buy this game for PlayStation five. I don't think it's even out yet on PS for the PS five versions, not even out yet. And now we're finding
0: out that not only is it coming, is it coming out, but it's going to be free. Um, do you think there's some element of this whereby they're trying to right a wrong that they think <sighs> they screwed over the deluxe edition people, they screwed over the control people. So they're like, do you know what, how we can fix this? We'll drop it for free for everyone on the PlayStation plus. Maybe, maybe,
1: uh, it, it it's weird because as someone who held firm there is something about this that's sort of like a um it feels like a small victory um it doesn't make me look on, uh, on remedy or 505 games in any you know uh, in, in in a better light per se but right. still i feel like my decision to not cave and spend more money on control for the playstation 5 was justified was validated by all of this uh especially as someone who you know as a big Alan Wake fan and really wanted to see the second part of that DLC the you know the AWE and right, um yeah. and my only option really was to go back by the DLC for the PS4 game and play it in backwards compatibility mode on my PS5 even if the PS5 version was out by then um i don't know i still think there's something to be said though for the fact that like so many games with the free upgrade path through so many games are still Going the free upgrade path route, they're saying, "Hey, even if you can only get the PS4 version for now, the PS5 version is going to be waiting for you whenever you come back around." I, I love f- that. I genuinely, think it, that's it's, great but it's enjoy. the best way to go about it. And it, you know, like I, I don't know, it's it's utterly bizarre to me that that that, that, that whether it was Remedy or Five Hundred Five or something in between that they felt the need to create an entirely new SKU, an entirely new product, and isolate so many players as a result. I don't know.
0: I, I mean, let's let's be honest, there's going to be people who are annoyed with this. The, the people who have already bought um, the Control Ultimate Edition um, are going to be pissed off because they've already put the money out for that. But that having been said, I think this is a good thing. Um, I think this is good yeah. for people to get their hands on... Um, a, <laughs> a great game. Control is a great game. One of the best games cannot... of 2018. Yeah, it is easily. Like, I finished okay, it. Okay. I really enjoyed it. It's one of the worst-looking best games
1: Oh, that's so, that's so wrong. That's so wrong.
0: It's such a, it it doesn't look bad, but when I I play that game, it feels like I'm playing an old game. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know what you mean. Me, I I don't really know either. Can if anyone gets what I mean, (laughs) please in the comments say, yeah, I I get (laughs) it. Because I've said that to a few people and they look at me like I'm crazy. Like when I play Control, I'm like, this is a wicked game. They've got some really nice ideas. Um, The maze was like my favourite, was it Cigar Maze? Cigar Maze, something like that. Ashtray, there you go. Ashtray maze is one of my favourite levels um, in a game for the past, probably like I don't know, Jesus, some like ten years or something. Um, but there was just a weird aesthetic to that game <sighs> that made me think it looked. But the, bad. That's the thing is
1: that you you hinge your argument or the point of the, the feeling you get, I should say, not argument necessarily, on the aesthetic. If you were trying to say that it felt old in, in some sort of gameplay terms, because it was almost a throwback to these simpler times of oh no, that narrative-driven third-person sure shooters with, retro yeah because it's you know it's it's not super linear you know there is some sort of like almost there's some backtracking and you can go around different areas and there are side missions and things off the beaten path but it is still kind of like a very focused story driven third person shooter which arguably you know certainly they those that genre of games had their time in the sun a little bit before you know third person shooters got co-opted by you know Xbox and PlayStation and turned into the biggest games on planet Earth thanks to series like Gears and Uncharted and The Last of Us. Um, But I also think some of the ways, some
0: of the mechanics feel feels retro as well. Like the way they use some of those telekinetic powers, it feels like it. it, The idea for it could have come from a game uh, five, six, ten years earlier.
1: PSYOP's the mindgate conspiracy.
0: <laughs> yeah maybe. <laughs> um but then there's also some of the the uh, enemies feel retro to me like the ones who kind of float the retro. bodies. Even dead retro bodies is such a float yeah. It is a weird word but I don't know. If anyone knows what I mean, let let me know because I don't really know. I from the day one I played that game I had the feeling that it had a very certain feel to me, aesthetic, a retro feel to it. And I've never got over it. And no one else seems to agree with me, um, which just means I'm wrong. But um, if you do agree with me, if you know what I'm talking about, then please help me out and say, yeah, I get what you mean. I just but think there we go.
1: that when that game's firing all <laughs> cylinders, like all the... Uh, it's great. All the, but like the physics and the particle effects and the lighting and the ray tracing and so on, like when you're picking up a, a desk and throwing it and paper and wood is splattering everywhere and... Like like so, when yeah, everything's quick. kicking off, I don't understand how that aesthetic can be. That's almost like the opposite of an old school aesthetic. Like no, that's I the coolest looking yeah, it shit.
0: Is. It is. Then there's the, my favourite thing about Control, like if you haven't played it, it's um, it's the kind of the X-Files uh, like mystery feel to it, which is wicked. Like it's it's great. The feel, the kind of, like the emotive response to the way that game is almost spooky, but in a very much a CIA X-Files kind of, Spooky way is is brilliant, and some of the random little side things you can do in that game, that like the fridge, just I love. <laughs> yeah, very it's cool. So, very it's so cool. so cool. It's such a cool game. It's a very, and that's cool why game.
1: this is a cool month. Destruction All Stars. I know we talked about it last week, but you,
0: you'll join me for some of that, right? I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's a, uh, I, I think it. Like we said, I don't think it's going to like survive that long, but I'm I'm really keen for playing it. Yeah, they. Although no, maybe it will. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. They
1: put out a um, what are they called? Not. a uh, PlayStation's version of a direct, a state of, play, uh, state of play for that game, like a day or two ago, about seven or so minutes of gameplay. And it looks like one you're going to need to get your hands on to feel for <laughs> yourself, but I, I, I'm picking up a lot of what it's putting down.
0: It I mean, the idea sounds immense to me. It's like, I want to play in a car and then run around and yeah. maybe get run over and stuff. That sounds great, but... We'll have to wait and see. Concrete Genie. I think that's I haven't seen much about that, but I know it's definitely a you and a Chris game, for sure.
1: Wait, you, you sat on a stream of it? at ATG. Which one? I can't even remember what it is. Concrete Genie's the kid who gets bullied so he gets a big paintbrush and starts painting monsters on the wall that he makes friends with.
0: Oh, that one. Yeah. That's a you that's a you and Chris game, yeah. Well,
1: that's you cool. say that. I was the one um, with the controller in my hands for that stream. And I remember I was having a great time and you guys were bored out of your mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was quite bored. I'm actually looking at images of it now and I'm like, did it look that good? <laughs> I, 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 I
1: really liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was charming and I thought the central idea was kind of fairly simple, but, but represented in a really smart way and,
0: wasn't this the one where the bullies are kind of hunting you?
1: Yeah, they go around it's around like they go around well. like in kind a of gang and they kind of see you at points you have to like run away and hide. Uh, from what I remember, even being distracted by the chat as we were all the time back in the day, the bullies or the enemies weren't really the point of that game. It was really just about exploring this little sort of area and um and painting these monsters and sort of
0: you know, unleashing your creativity upon the world, Jamesy. Uh That's my problem, is I'm I don't have any creativity. So there you go. Wow. <laughs> so it's my my fault. Um, but no, that is it. That is a standout month. Um, well done, PlayStation. That does sound like a wicked Agreed. February. Agreed. I'll be um, adding all of those to my library.
1: Same. It's it's really cool now that that PlayStation have so far with Bug Snacks, Man Eater, and Destruction All Stars, and Control to a certain extent have stuck to this thing of like, hey, we're going to get at least one PlayStation Five game in there per month because PlayStation Five games or otherwise are still a little bit. Few and far between. So to get a free one per month has been nice so far.
0: I didn't expect it, I've got to be honest. I, I thought they would have gone the route of saying, hey, backwards compatibility, you don't need a PlayStation 5 game. Yeah. This is this is a, a great reason to keep people who have got um, PlayStation 5s happy by saying, hey, look, you can keep PlayStation Plus and every month you get to pick up a new PlayStation 5 game. It's also a great way to say to people who are going to buy a PlayStation 5 when they're available, who say, look, the $60, $70 price is prohibitive. And then say, but you can sign up for Plus and get a game every month.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and even the backwards compatibility argument, like, isn't a terrible one. Like, they're not leaning on it, as you said, which is good. But the fact that, yeah, like, it's still there. And, like, even this month, like, obviously Man Eater was the main theater notice of. But, like, Shadow of the Tomb Raider was the, was a game that I hadn't picked up yet. And, like... Right. I've, I've, I own that now, and I played the first two in that trilogy. And maybe one day I really want to play a Tomb Raider game. I don't know.
0: That's a good. That's a good show. Anyone who hasn't, who does have PlayStation Plus, remember to hop on um, before February first to get. Uh, even if you don't download them, just add them to your library. Man eater yep. and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Um, something else exciting happened last Thursday that we missed out on in the podcast, Jamie, which was the Resident Evil, or was it? Sp- it was specifically. It did seem to be mainly specifically about Resident Evil Village. Um, but they had a nice little showcase that we couldn't fit in because yeah. we were too early in the day. Yeah, we um, just missed it. And you won yourself a shiny fiver.
1: I did win myself a shiny fiver with a uh, a bet that I made with with Chris. I didn't make it with you, but I remember who you accrued with. Uh, and yeah, I
0: thought I thought they would I thought they would uh, drop an announcement for it. But you you were right. You were correct.
1: So the the bet for anyone wondering and or didn't listen last week or just can't remember was that. Um, with regards to the, the well, let's, I'll, let's call it rumored, but it, basically, it definitely exists. The in-development, okay, let's say, a remake of Resident Evil 4. Of course, Resident Evil 2 and 3, and technically Resident Evil, uh, have been remade over the course of the last handful of years. And 4 is due at some point. Uh, Chris bet that it would be shown or revealed in some way, shape, or form during that showcase, and it wasn't, regrettably. Sad, sad. Wasn't happy to have won that bet. I'll throw that out there.
0: But hopefully we won't have to wait too long before...
1: uh... Well, we will. Should we we get into it? Go on then. Because basically there's a bunch of Resident Evil news. So as Jonesy said, there was a showcase uh, last week that, as you pointed out, Jonesy, focused heavily on Resident Evil Village, perhaps also known as Resident Evil 8. I don't know why they keep trying to avoid calling it that. (laughs) The VIII is literally in the
0: fucking title. It's why you called it Village, you cowards. Call it 8. I don't know what... Okay, why don't? What is that? Because they keep saying it's not Resident Evil Eight, but it's in the title. I don't know, bro. I don't know.
1: That, I. It, 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 I,
0: I <laughs> we need an insider. We need a. Um, we need a Japanese person. <laughs> we need someone to tell us what's going on.
1: So it, I, I had to look this up to be to be sure. Uh, Resident Evil, it is called Resident Evil Village, it's the sequel to Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, even though in Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, they did the same thing, where they took the V, I, and part of the L of evil, and highlighted that to make it a 7. But then, I guess they couldn't just stick with that, because... Basically, what I'm saying is they've done the same trick two games in a row, which is like, hey, what if the words spelled the Roman numerals for the number, except this time they haven't kept the number in the actual name of the game.
0: But they, Yeah, but they have, because they at the same have, time yeah. they've kept it in the title. It's all very strange. And it's, all, it's, and it's strange
1: always thing. stylized that way. Like, the cover art is, is still that stylized that way. I don't know. They're, they've lost control, Jonesy. They need to you know, be put in their place. We need to you know, get some... Uh, we need to AOC to tweet about this, put them back in their place. Um... <laughs>
0: I'd watch. you know what, I'd watch ASE play some Re- Resident Evil uh, 8 Village. Hey, uh, eight, The, the way eight. her
1: Twitch career is going, then um, maybe she will at this point. Who knows? Yeah. Um, the other thing that got announced, um, well, there are a few things, actually. First of all, the release date, which was actually sooner than all three of us predicted. We were thinking more like a, something like a September. This yeah. is going to be a quick turnaround, May 7th the release date for Resident Evil Village, and they have also confirmed, which is something they hadn't up till now, interestingly, which is that this is a game for current-gen and last-generation systems. So if you have yet to upgrade to an Xbox Series X or a PS5, still get your hands on your Resi fix. Uh, They showed some new gameplay. A lot of what I thought was Resident Evil 4-inspired stuff, which I think we kind of knew about, because obviously the Village theme is shared between the two. Uh, There have been lots of rumours about an increased focus on combat, which is backed up by the fact that there's now a merchant in this game. He's some big fat guy. Looks kind of funny to hang yes, around, yeah. uh, selling weapons and upgrades. And there's even like a Tetris Resident Evil Four style inventory management system, which is very cool. I
0: don't know. How, I don't. I never like how they do their inventory management in, in Resi games. But I, I kind of do. Look good. What? Like, what what like, the, no, specifically don't the inventory? Don't me, like, fit everything in. Bro, it's it was so good in Four. It's like Tetris. But I can't pack a bag, so I don't know how I'm <laughs> going to do
1: this, Jonesy. All you have to do, just make sure move all your eggs out of the way, and you can fit the the RPG in there.
0: If you came shopping with me, you'd understand why I don't like the sound of this because I can't. You know, I'm, I'm a nightmare, so um, it just stresses me out. Shopping. But, you
1: know, what, what part of shopping? Like putting it in the trolley or putting it in the bag? To put the it end? in the bag.
0: Bag and the stuff at the end. I'm an I'm an absolute oh, mess. I just
1: take as many bags as it needs. I don't give a shit. Like I accidentally put a giant pizza in one bag and it's made the bag be, become like one big square that <laughs> nothing else can go in. Don't give a shit. One bag per pizza.
0: So you, you're smart. I never take enough bags and I end up trying to stuff everything into two. Here's the trick, Jonesy.
1: You buy them and then you throw them
0: away even though they're bags for life.
1: Shocking. I know. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real life hack. Even though they have changed the laws about plastic bags, just treat them like you used to. It's easier that way. <laughs>
0: Okay, so let's get back to Resi. Okay. But, um, I, didn't, I don't think I saw this, but what was the PlayStation 5 exclusive demo that they released?
1: So basically, um, they've released a it's, a... it's a short demo that it seems to be showcasing the game's visual sides. So there's actually no real gameplay mechanics in the demo itself. Uh, there's certainly there's no combat you can block in Resident Evil Village, but you can't in this demo. So it's not designed to be anything really other than uh, oh, like a sorry. I'm lying.
0: I downloaded this. Oh, you <laughs> downloaded this? Lying. There you go. You just haven't it. launched it. I'm <laughs> um, no, I'm full of I'm full of crap. I actually downloaded it. Sorry, go on, yes. Yeah. I was gonna say, I'm well, sorry.
1: you'll be able to speak to it in more detail, I guess, probably next week at this stage. But like it seems like a taster. Like walk through the environment, see some of the changes they made visually and lighting and, and so on and so <laughs> forth, the visual fidelity improvements over Resident Evil 7, and then there's a little bit of an encounter, an engagement at the end. But from what I gather, because you kind of can't do anything. Uh, you just have to run away and get to the end of the demo uh, until so, a giant nine foot lady with the world's biggest tits walks through a door.
0: I want to uh, if I actually now that I remember that I do know what this is. Um, I want because I want to say it's called Maiden, um, and it's uh, it seems like it is Ethan's daughter, which is who you're there to find in the main game, right? So, right. Yes, that that sounds plausible, um, and that you play her, and she then. Uh, and it's, it's a 15-minute demo of her attempting like an escape attempt or whatever, right. or something like that. And it's just a nice little way of getting to see some of what's going on. But like you said, there is no combat. You can't, no. and it's, I think it's 15 minutes. It's a nice little and sort I, of um, tasty demo.
1: PS5 exclusive for now, but I believe they said there'll be another actual demo before release that's on everything that I guess showcases right. some of the other game elements. But yeah, that's there for anyone who wants a taster of that or to see those tits up close. You never know. Some people are Do into you, that.
0: I Jen okay, the, the I after watching that um, demo, the weird like it's the strangest thing now on Twitter. I swear, loads of random people are just tweeting shit like, at usually from like game journalists and game devs and all sorts of like hot <laughs> industry people are yeah. just tweeting shit like uh, pictures of that of that the mum, I guess she is. Uh, to the, she's like a vampiric mum of like the three crazy daughters who sort of are flying around trying to attack you or whatever and just like uh, step on me or like choke me and I'm like what are you doing? like for one second believe that if you're in a situation with like some Amazonian dominatrix that you'd be like yeah can you just like chuck me around it, it, and the, it, the, pull my hair it, and choke me so, I was like you don't mean it you just like this is such bullshit
1: It's a, I think they're doing it for humorous effect Jonesy
0: it's what kids nowadays refer
1: to as a joke.
0: I think that boils on kink shaming, mate.
1: <laughs> what people who actually liked being stepped on by Amazonian women?
0: Exactly, mate. Exactly. You count yourself what about those them? people that read those tweets and think you don't really like to be stepped on, like I like to be Jonesy, stepped on. are you gatekeeping stepping on people right now? I am. I'm gatekeeping it. Wow! Shh, don't unless you're into it. Don't be joking about stepping on people. Yeah, only real
1: fans of being stepped on know what it's like to be stepped on by a nine foot tall woman.
0: I can't. Yeah, I'm not going to say tweet it because I'm sure they just meant it as a joke. But it was just—it's the fact that I saw like four or five in quick succession. I was like, "What's going on? What's going on in the She's, world?" She has
1: become a bit of a meme, but I suppose she is a, uh, a curious looking character.
0: Um, Don't get me wrong; she was a she was a smoking hot nine foot tall um, booberific Amazonian. Um, I did see a few comparisons to, is because it's the hat, the anger with the hat, and then some shots of Melania Trump on like her oh last no. day of, with the hat. And I it was have like, not seen that. It was like, who would you pick? And that's like, wow, okay. Probably
1: the one who's a normal human height rather than the one that's ten <laughs> foot tall. No disrespect for the Maybe. creepy Resident Evil lady, but uh, anyone Maybe. that has to duck to get through a doorway, I'm, I'm not about it. I'm not taking that to a restaurant.
0: To be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if Melania's looking for a new uh, bit of stuff soon.
1: (laughs) Yep. Clock's ticking. Um, Anyway, (laughs) uh, elsewhere, they also announced uh, a kind of long-rumoured multiplayer component to uh, the Resident Evil universe, if you will, called Resident Evil Reverse, which seems to be taking locations and characters from famous Resident Evil games and mixing them all together in sort of a, what looked like a pretty rough-around-the-ages edges 3rd person shooter multiplayer game that's going to be free for players of Resident Evil Village. So I guess that's something. I don't know, their last multiplayer experience I went right under the radar for me. I can't even remember what it's called now, but um, yeah.
0: To say it's free for players of the village, isn't that just like saying it's a multiplayer thing that that comes with the game? They do this all the time. They
1: love to see them as separate products created by separate teams, and then they can sell it for free on its own eventually and... Fill it with microtransactions and
0: and Ooh, all the lovely. other fun stuff. <laughs> love um, microtransactions.
1: But the other thing to get to, and this wasn't actually part of the showcase, but we kind of touched on it earlier because you know Chris and I made a bet about it, and there was a lot of discussion. Which is what's going on with Resident Evil Four remake, a game that again doesn't officially exist yet, but uh, we know that it is in development. Um, and based on some rumors that I think uh, came out of VGC last week, based on their sources. It seems like that project is in some kind of upheaval at the moment, Jonesy. So essentially, development was being led by a new-ish studio called M2 that were made up of former Platinum Games employees. M2, I think, also helped out on some Resident Evil 3 stuff. Um, and now we're working and leading the development of Resident Evil 4 Remake. From what we have been able to gather, those, the, those people and their sources, um, M2, in response to the... Um, the way fans reacted to Resident Evil Three, which you know was a was a solid game, but deviated from the original PlayStation game in some major ways, they were a little bit nervous about bringing too much to the table in terms of their own ideas and their own concepts, mechanics, anything like that. So were fairly faithfully remaking Resident right. Evil Four, which interestingly enough, apparently Capcom actually weren't happy with. Um, apparently there were disagreements over the direction of the remake and the degree to which. Uh, M2 were making it fairly faithful. They have now stepped in. They have taken uh, M2 off lead development and put Capcom's Division 1 in charge, Division 1 like the lead team for the Resident Evil and Devil May Cry games, um, because they have expressed a desire, desire to, quote, uh, build a different direction through um, their own unique features, story elements, and environments. So... um Fascinating to get an update on the status of Resident Evil Four remake. Utterly bizarre to hear that this is happening. That Capcom are actually taking control away from a studio that were remaking the game too faithfully to give it to a different team that want to introduce their own ideas to one of the most beloved Resident Evil games, or maybe even the most beloved
0: games of all time. That's bonkers, isn't it? No, I I can totally see that. Like, I think there's a. I could imagine if you're making, if you're being too faithful in your in your. um, recreation of something and uh someone wanted something like a bit you know with a modern um a modern face is that your fear may be that they don't they lack the confidence into produce into producing the thing which is you know a remake but with a modern face and so then maybe your confidence in their ability to provide that isn't is you know a bit knocked i i can completely understand that if that's what they ha- is, that's what happened um assuming that's what happened. This, well this seems because- to
1: imply it was more that they didn't want they don't want a faithful remake they want new ideas
0: uh, but i i guess you need both right you want the me- you want the remake but you also want to incorporate modern game design um more modern game mechanics which make the player feel like they're playing the original but with all the bells and trappings of a modern game uh, what if i went back uh, to the quote they and said
1: their own unique take on your feature story elements and environments Like, does anyone, like, take story elements, for example, which is something that this source has quoted. Does anyone really want to know 2021 Capcom's unique story elements that they're going to bring to a remake of Resident Evil 4?
0: Not maybe the story is the less so. The story one is a bit more odd to me. Like, it doesn't have the story stuff. Surely you've got your story beats, and that's what you've got. I mean, unless they're saying, like, we don't, they're just recreating the dialogue, and the dialogue wasn't as good as it could have been. And that's what they mean. But yeah, the story is the, the weirdest one to me. But of the mechanics and the, the way the game plays etc cetera, etc cetera. because i want like i i i played a very limited amount of the original resident evil 2 um but obviously then i played some of the remake of resident evil 2 and it didn't feel like what i remember resident evil 2 felt like no, right. it wasn't a one to one remake it was a a new imagining of or a reimagining of that game and it was f- bloody fantastic like a you know really good, true, really true. cool game so i can easily see that if they were being too faithful to Resident Evil 4 then they'd be a bit worried about how that was going. The, the only
1: weird thing about that is though that like Resident Evil uh where Resident Evil 1 through 3 almost needed that updating. They needed to find a new footing in terms of their uh you know, what kind of game they were. You could remake Resident Evil 4 in a way that was very similar to what they've just done for 2 and 3 and please a lot of people because they felt like modern uh you know, action horror shooters. Which yeah. is in some respects, what yeah,
0: sure. you need four to be I don't know unless they, unless they do mean like they want a whole new imagining of four well, and they want something new because I think what four is for a
1: lot of people four was the first person to take it the first excuse me the first game in the series to really uh, prioritize the action sort of element of the gameplay, take that in a new direction, and it was so good that they really struggled afterwards, especially with five and even more so with six, to recapture that Resident Evil 4 magic. So, I'm not suggesting it's the one in least need of rejuvenating, uh, because it is fundamentally still a 15 year old game, uh, uh, actually older. Um, But um, I don't know. It was again. It was also the one that like made Resident Evil as an action oriented horror series make more
0: sense. I mean, it does seem it makes less sense to reimagine things the closer you get to. Uh, as today and when the game was made um come together because yeah. you don 't need to do as much for sure, but may hey may, maybe they are then maybe that is what they're they're thinking no, we want to go a new way and we want to see new ideas because we're, what we 're oh. going to do for five for six, which that kind of is a little bit more worrying i 'll give you that
1: you can 't remake um, five or six, can you at this stage? That's hey, all. They don't need to true. be remade. I'll, check. The I'll, I'll be
0: looking forward to um, Raccoon City's remake because that was the, one of the <laughs> trashiest games City. I played. Wow.
1: Yeah, that was uh, not good. But yeah, yeah, interesting little update on on Resi Four there. Um, I thought that was curious. Don't know. How yeah. To feel it, about no, that.
0: it is. It is an interesting, curious thing. Um, so I think. Oh no, we have two more stories, Jamie. So yes, Xbox. You know a lot more about this than I do because I'm not an Xbox yeah. guy, but. Xbox Live Gold um, had rubbed a few people up the wrong way with the way that they were going to sort of redo their pricing, um, Xbox, I should say, around Xbox Live Gold. Um, and I, what swim was this? It was end of last year that they that they said they were going to uh, increase the price. And no, they the, managed to piss off. This, a whole was, all, of this was all
1: this week. Everything oh, this had, week, the, everything, everything, this everything week. happened. This week, the announcement happened this week, and the turnaround happened within twenty four hours.
0: Oh, okay. Right. Okay. So yeah, hit, hit us. What what have, what has okay, gone
1: on? Uh, so basically Xbox unveiled a new pricing scheme for Xbox Live Gold, which is their equivalent of PlayStation Plus. It's essentially a subscription service, which you need to be paying for and be a part of to access, for example, online multiplayer. Uh, despite the fact that it's free almost everywhere else, or like on PC and so on and so forth, uh, Xbox still charge for it. Uh the new pricing uh, scheme that they'd set up was ten ninety-nine for one month, twenty-nine ninety-nine for three months, fifty-nine ninety-nine for six months, which essentially made the service one hundred and twenty dollars a year, double what it used to be, again, just for the ability to play multiplayer and access to their games with gold, which is their you know, the monthly free games. Again, similar to PlayStation so, Plus. That's,
0: that's almost like they got into um they got into bed with Stadia. I'm like, don't worry, we'll make it you look good. <laughs> We'll yeah, this.
1: exactly. They signed a deal with Google, like, "Hey, we'll take some of the heat. Don't worry." Um, well, there was a theory though that went around very quickly as to why they would do this, and it was to basically make Game Pass look like a far more sort of lucrative and uh, like a better value for money prospect than it might have done next to a standalone subscription to Xbox Live Gold. Uh, for example, Game Pass Ultimate, which is sort of the most expensive tier of Game Pass that you could uh, that you can get. Includes a gold subscription in the price, so they were pushing it in a direction that basically made any sort of bundling or anything that uh, included Game Pass l- look f- like a far more better deal than it had done once right. on paper, uh, especially yeah. for people who, in theory, were just interested in multiplayer games. Um, however, there was significant backlash, this is not, did not go down uh, well at all, as I'm sure you can imagine. And the backlash was, in fact, so significant that within 24 hours, Microsoft and Xbox walked it back. They completely reversed all their plans to change the pricing uh, and announced that they wouldn't be changing the price for any of the increments of Xbox Live Gold. But they actually went one step further, Jonesy, and made a change that uh, Xbox was actually the last place to make uh, the, the the last uh, console manufacturer, the last service provider to make this change, which is Essentially, up till now, you needed Xbox Live Gold to play multiplayer free-to-play games. For example, Fortnite, very popular, free-to-play. If you played Fortnite on Xbox, you needed Xbox Live Gold. If you played on PlayStation, you didn't need PlayStation Plus. They have now reversed that. So free-to-play games are now actually free-to-play, even in multiplayer, on Xbox Live. So not only did they walk back their pricing changes, they also threw in a very important and probably a very uh, requested feature, very requested to change to their... The way they structure their service. And uh I don't think that's rolled out quite yet. But again, given what we know of the size of games like Fortnite, which is the easiest example to make, that's pretty significant for Xbox console owners. Um
0: It is. Yeah. And in reality, like I don't think many people are gonna go and cancel their Xbox Live Gold um accounts because or um subscriptions because now they're like, Well now I can play Fortnite without that. Like realistically people are probably just keep it so you've got to imagine they won't lose any money from doing that. But I think this goes to the fact that Microsoft do seem to be um, a lot better when it comes to reacting to how the audience feel about what they do. Like, and I think, for example, not only rolling back what they were going to do, but giving you the extra bonus of going, do you know what, now you don't need um, Xbox Live Gold to play uh, free-to-play games. I think that is a, a very smart move on their part, to kind of switch the conversation um, in their favour. But yeah, yeah well, was, so that's a quick turnaround in a, in a week.
1: Yeah. It, it, I, I'm, I'm still surprised in some respects that they made such a significant error to begin with. To think that you could just come out at the start of the year and be like, yeah, we're doubling the price for this service that in some respects seems obsolete already anyway. Um,
0: well, they just put up um, Game Pass, haven't they? Game Pass has gone up to, I don't even know. Didn't, that didn't sounds, that sounds possible.
1: I don't Honestly... The prices for every service is going up all the time that I don't pay that much attention anymore. I just got a notification this week that my Netflix price is going up.
0: Ah, yeah, I I got the same thing, actually.
1: So it feels like it happens every six months with all of them at some stage or another. So I wouldn't be surprised.
0: So maybe (sighs) it was tied to that. So maybe they thought that it was was the time to bump the price. Who knows? Why do you think,
1: though, that they decided to not only walk it back, but also to throw an extra cherry on top in there? Do you think it was because... They thought it would be good publicity, or do you think that was something they were planning for a little while? With you know, aside from the price increase, and thought let's do it all at once.
0: Oh, I think, like I said, I think I think it's a fact of um that's you know bad publicity going. They've walked it back, um, but it's like, not going to sound good. And then to turn around and go, but we not only walked it back, we're also doing this that you've been asking for. I think they managed to make the conversation then be a positive, and people it just. Maybe more people talk about that than talk about the the walk back on the pricing structure. But like I said, I don't think that actually hits them in the pocket for anyone playing.
1: Maybe it doesn't. It just seems like a very big change to implement on such short notice. Like imagine the amount of people who have to sign off a decision where you say, oh, hey, you know, all those people that continue to buy Xbox Live Gold so they can play Fortnite on the Xbox, we're going to make it free. We're going to lose all that money. And And someone goes, why? And they go, we need some good publicity right now. We made a stupid announcement this morning. And then Phil Spencer's like, yeah, go on then.
0: That could be millions of dollars that they lose. See, I wonder if it's something they've already talked about and they've said, we don't really think we're making any extra money through it. And so there's no point cancelling it because there might be some people that sign up to it who um, wouldn't, but realistically, it's not an amount of money that we really care about. And so they're like, and maybe they've chatted about it, and you know, over a couple of months ago or something, and it was saying that was a known quantity that was already on the table for maybe yeah at some point in the future, and they just threw in there. I, I mean, wish could maybe not. Maybe they were already going to do it, and it's just a coincidence.
1: I wish we knew the numbers, like how many people continue to pay for Xbox Live Gold just to play free to play <laughs> titles. I wonder.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't. I see. I can't imagine it's that many people.
1: But then again, but maybe, maybe it's the biggest. You know, one of the biggest game in the world is free to play.
0: Like, I can't imagine it any like many people just play one game online. I think you'd be surprised how many people <laughs> play <laughs> just very play few. Fortnite. Yeah, I mean, maybe not just
1: play Fortnite, that might be an overstatement, but there are a lot of people who live and breathe on free to play titles right now.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. Warzone that's would
1: fair. be thrown in there, Apex would be thrown in there. You know, we're talking about tens of true. millions of players collectively who all would have had to have paid for Xbox Live Gold just continue playing those games and now don't. It'd be
0: great to know if they take a hit off the back of this.
1: Yeah, we probably will never know. I mean, and if you're a Microsoft, why would you tell anyone, right? Just eat the cost and <laughs> yeah. roll on. Just don't mention you it. You've got enough in the bank.
0: Um, okay, cool. Well, we've got one last story, a bit of fun to chat around um, <laughs> yeah. at the end. One of uh, those
1: stories that you see the headline for and think, I can't not have Jonesy talk about this.
0: <laughs> it's a cool headline. <laughs> yeah, Gabe Newell... Uh, has been living it up in, um, in uh, New Zealand for a long time now. And um, he's been interviewed by uh, TV New Zealand, um, who... I'm just, So I'll, I can give you the headline, because I didn't read this. You read it, and then you said, oh, we have to talk about this, because you'll love it. So the headline is, Gabe Newell says brain-computer interface tech will allow video games far beyond what human meat peripherals can comprehend. And by meat, what- he means eyes and hands, apparently. Yeah, meat peripherals, right? So it's got to be, uh, I guess, ears, eyes, ears, hands, yeah, skin, sure. all those, all those sensing organs you've got. Um well, one other one that you didn't mention um, as well. But come on, Jamie, why did you want? To, why did you want to talk about this? Well, well, because you are, you've always
1: been a big uh, a fan and a vocal supporter of VR, and and you've always been hopeful for the future of VR. You were something of an early adopter and. I think you're also just interested in future tech and tech that taps into where gaming and various other industries could be going in the future. Um, and this is exactly that. This is literally, you know, a billionaire in charge of a multi billion dollar comp- company who have, in some respects, put their money where their mouth is with regards to their support of uh, VR and AR and other, you know, to use a loose word, futuristic concepts like that, although they're becoming far more real with each passing year assuming the investment stays there. Um, and I think for a lot of people, the idea that uh, like something that uses a brain-computer interface or interacts with your brain uh, in any real way seems like it must be a million miles away. And I just thought to myself, if anyone believes it's closer to reality than than I would, for example, it's got to be Alex Jones.
0: I, so I will say that the stuff he's talking about, This so he's talking about... Um, how a few few things he says is that if people aren't using or developers aren't using brain computer interface headsets um in the next sort of couple of years to start developing games then they're going to be falling behind um and I think that's crazy there's no there is no way by 2022 you've got um so here's the actual quote he says if you're a software developer in 2022 who doesn't have one of these in your test lab you're making a silly mistake i think that is insane like the idea that brain-computer interface will be good enough to for developers, software developers, to be to consider it for commercial use inside of two years, I think, is unfortunately, I think, yeah. is laughable. The, so the,
1: the The thing that he's talking about for anyone wondering, uh, specifically with this twenty twenty two estimation, because I think some people maybe when they're given this information with no visual are just imagining some big thing where like you go to sleep with a headset on and you're just like <laughs> playing games in your dreams. Uh, one of the examples of like the tech that he's talking about is a uh, a headset that uh, Valve have already got a design for called Galia. I think. Would you pronounce that, Jonesy? Uh, Galea, Galia. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah. Um, Galea, which? Galea, yeah.
1: It's a it's a BCI headset, a brain computer interface headset that is designed to be used uh, essentially in partnership with a VR headset. And uh, uh, Gabe goes on to say, "You'll absolutely be using one of these modified VR head straps to." Uh, to be doing that routinely simply because there's too much useful data talking about developing interactive experiences that data will generally consist of readings from players body and brain which can be used to tell if the player is excited surprised sad bored amused afraid among other emotions so at a surface level we're talking about wearing a vr headset while also wearing a another strap another device that interfaces with your brain to read your emotional response to things and uses that to feed that information back into the gameplay experience does that make it a little bit more realistic for you as a thing that yeah. could happen in the next couple that of years? And
0: the, yeah, of course. That So that does, because that's stuff that I think if you're, for example, if you're in a VR game, let's think about um, Half-Life Alyx, for example. Let's say that they want you to be scared and they know they can pick up on a certain... Um, uh, part of your brain which is like well this part of the brain should be buzzing right now because they should be scared and you're not scared and the headset's like this dude's not scared then they might say okay maybe the game tweaks the darkness so it's a little <laughs> bit darker uh, maybe it drops in a few like ah, noises or like little, weird little um, animal sounds just to kind bro. of add the, add a bit of terror to it like I could see that being a thing um, but I could see it loosely being used I can't imagine that most game devs are going to really think that's something that is going to make a big difference to their titles especially like given the state of VR at the moment mm. um that having but that having been said and from that side of it he starts talking about how game worlds can be so much more um high resolution if you haven't got to go through the eyes and sound can be so much better if you haven't got to go through the ears and he's absolutely right like the brain is capable of interpreting A lot better resolution things than your, like you said, your meat peripherals can provide. But the direct, you know, game to brain interface—that's a long way off. A long, long way off, I think.
1: Yes. To to pull this article apart, he said, um, Newell also discussed the near future reality of being able to write signals to people's minds to change how they're feeling or deliver better than real visuals in games. Then this is an actual quote. You're used to experiencing the world through eyes, but eyes were created by this low cost bidder that didn't care about failure rates and RMAs. And if it got brokered, there was no way, way to repair anything effectively, which totally makes sense from an evolutionary perspective, but is not at all reflective of consumer preferences. Um, the visual fidelity the world will be is able over. To create, the the, the yeah. second
0: you talking about this before, the second they create the matrix for real, I mean, life is over. Do the, it, the next two paragraphs
1: sum it all up. The real world will stop being the metrics that we apply to the best possible visual fidelity. The real world will seem flat, colourless, and blurry compared to the experiences you'll be able to create in people's brains.
0: That I I, I completely... That I'm on board with 100%.
1: Go on, elaborate. Will exist
0: within 100 years? Like, I hope so. (sighs) I hope I'll be alive to experience it. Let's put it like that. You want
1: to visit Gabe Newell's... uh, (laughs) You, you want Gabe Newell to make the real world feel flat, colourless, and blurry?
0: Dude, come on. I want to go into the Oasis. We know, we've talked about it before. <laughs> we have I want to go first. in the Oasis. But I want to do it without having to wear some weird uh, haptic feedback suit in my lounge so everyone can see me, like, sitting there in a weird, like, onesie. Um, yeah, I think it'd be much better just to plug something into the back of your head. And, um... I'd, so, like, since so film's like... I was going to so, say, like, the film's like Existence, The Matrix uh is it 13th floor like they've all done this where it's all cg directly into your brain um and it's definitely going to come at some point in the future but yeah i don't think But it's like going e-
1: time even soon. you mentioned haptic suits there which is something we've seen alongside vr experiences recently wouldn't even they be unnecessary if we could actually tap into people's brains the way we wanted to like surely yeah. the sensation yeah, of feeling it. something you in your hands is just your brain telling you there's something in your hands so if something else could tell the brain that you feel something in your hands, then then you've done it.
0: You don't need haptics yeah, yeah. anymore. You don't need haptics because yeah, so haptics try and um haptics uh like punk your input system by pretend by recreating feelings like for your hands, like you said, and for your body and stuff. But then if you if you bypass the hands and you go straight into the 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 brain, then obviously you don't yeah, you don't need haptics. Same as eyes. If you don't you obviously don't need your eyes to see and you're not l- limited by Color vision, for example, because your eyes obviously can—you've only got like rods and cones that see certain wavelengths of light. If you could go straight to the brain, you could open up like you know every color, every wavelength, every sound. Like you're not going to be limited by human Oh perception. god, yeah, we're going to end up like that
1: short film where people just don't want to leave the uh, the old their old that alternate universe. They don't want to leave the virtual world and just become they're like heroin addicts. Ooh.
0: Do you, you'd go out for you would never go out for dinner at a restaurant ever again. Why would you go out for dinner and pay for it when you could go into a virtual world, sit down, have the best food you've ever tasted every time at the perfect restaurant? And you're just like, eating
1: Soylent in, in real life, like you're just eating, you're not eating
0: anything. You wouldn't have to eat anything because all of the taste, all your taste buds, or your or your the way you feel when you're full, all of that stuff is obviously um, just feedback to the brain as well. Like you wouldn't need to. Do eat you think there'll be devices
1: things. in the future that are like? Are versions of brain computer interfaces that people walk around with during the day that um exist to suppress hunger and tell you that you're full the whole time and that everything you eat tastes amazing but they wow, but they a, like so interesting like, like augmented reality BCIs so rather than like focusing on taking you to a different future they just trick your brain into augmenting the real world and being like yeah everything you eat today is going to taste amazing you're not going to get hungry because it's going to constantly tell you you're full you're not going to feel pain because we're going to block out those nerve endings and receptors.
0: I'm I was, I'm totally with you, except for the pain thing. Pain is obviously important, like as useful. Oh, you wouldn't want to, yeah. To but that.
1: it's also dangerous to tell, tell people they're full all the time. People are going to starve to death accidentally.
0: But, at least, but I think that's a slow... That's like a slow process, right? You could you could use other things. that like You could have a smartwatch that yeah. told you, or the BCI itself could tell you, you need to eat this. And it, you could eat like, the, like you said, you pick up your soil and you eat it, but it tastes like the best juicy burger you've ever eaten. And you're like, <laughs> oh, we're going to yeah, become so, so no, dependent on this shit. But you know I never, never thought about that sort of stuff. That's wicked. Yeah. If, that, if they could do and that. And then
1: you me? could even go one step further, but because the, then it's like, well, someone can make the argument, okay, well, if every single thing you ate, regardless of what it actually was in, in real life, tasted like a Big Juicy Burger, eventually you're going to get a of the Big Juicy Burger. Because how many times can you have the best burger of your life? And you say, well, I'm also going to tell my BCI to make me forget what it's like to eat the best juicy burger every time <laughs> I it eat it. it.
0: It couldn't re- Well, oh, maybe it could. I was going to say it couldn't rewrite your memories, but maybe it could. It okay, could, well... Maybe, okay, just tell just
1: like uh, just make this burger gradually better and better every time I eat it <laughs> the rest of my life until by the time you die you're eating like a burger that's ten thousand percent better than the first burger you ever had
0: um but hey it's the end of the world right what's what the second that um uh all of the the online Pete the online types like uh you know like us don't need to go out and have a date to have a date, you can just pop into the virtual world and meet someone there. You're not going to, why are you going to bother? Sorry,
1: Josie, pop into the virtual world. Why would you, why the fuck would you meet a, meet a real person?
0: No, no, meet a, meet a, uh, in the virtual world, meet a virtual person. Exactly. You don't need
1: real people anymore. You surround yourself by virtual people that are nicer and better looking and more accommodating, more friendly than anyone you know. It seems really scary.
0: It's, it seems scary, but at the same time, doesn't it seem really exciting? Maybe a big It
1: depends which of the good parts of it I get to experience, which of the bad parts of it I get to experience.
0: Like I can't imagine how good games will be when you can be in the game, but how terrifying will a game like Warzone even be if you are for sh- if you look, feel you feel like you're getting shot? Yeah, but no one's gonna actually make it.
1: Like maybe it feels like you're getting like if you imagine like getting like prodded. Maybe it feels like
0: that. That might be all some right. Some nutter. Some nutter will make it feel like you're actually getting shot. There'll be hacks oh, so that they can hack it oh and God. make it feel like you've got shot for real.
1: Chinese hackers making it feel like full-on painful bullets. Oh, I'm <laughs> not going, I'm not touching that future with a barge pole. Disgusting.
0: <laughs> but hey, um, what a fun little uh, bit of futurism yeah. uh, to end on. Thank you, Jamie, for joining me this week. Hopefully Chris, uh, I don't know how long it lasts, but hopefully Chris will be back to um, some form of good health next week and he'll be able to join us um we need a code word mate
1: we need a code word i forget i'm starting to forget what we even talked about tonight um i'm going through the things now uh what about
0: if we had something like gabe newell's brain (laughs) something like that gabe newell's brain what was uh, i'm trying to think or get gabe newell's future
1: You're making it sound like a product. Gabe Gabe Newell presents the future. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything uh, interesting or funny. I've got to be perfectly honest. Not to put you on the spot, but
0: uh, I don't have anything interesting or funny. Oh, I know. Okay. We talked about the people that um, were kink-shaming people like to be stepped on (laughs) from the mum. So if you get to this point in the video, uh, to let us know that you got here on YouTube in the comments, just put step on me. And We'll know that um, that you reached the end yeah. of the video.
1: Actually, if you could just put like quotation marks, step on me, and in a little hyphen, like you're attributing the quote, I just put Chris. Uh, <laughs> I'd really appreciate it. I want to see some comments like that, if, if possible.
0: Very nice. Um, but thank you, thank you very much for joining us. If you want to uh, drop us a comment or um, find us on Twitter, we are at Super Show Pod. We are on all of the podcasting platforms. So hey, if you watched it this week and you wanted to listen to it again, maybe check out uh, check us out on a podcasting platform of your choice. And we will uh, we'll see you again next week. Bye so, bye.